Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. everyone and welcome to Carriker Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN at 7 o'clock your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler and we are all sunshine lollipops this morning because the Cardinals have won three in a row we, we woke up this week with the Cardinals having lost three in a row to the Cubs and now we wake up Michelle today and the Cardinals have won three in a row and everything is great three in a row in exciting and dramatic fashion too yeah, it's a winning streak Danny it's a, it's a real live being it's a winning streak and they're only three out yeah that's the other thing well as the cardinals win three in a row the cubs and brewers both lose well, three in that's, a row. that's baseball that's your national league central <laughs> that's right let's uh get ready for the roller coaster that is the nl central in 2021 and props to you randy because you called the sweep yesterday how about that what else did i call i uh, i threw another guarantee in there i don't know what it was i forgot i'm glad you guaranteed uh oviedo against you bet he I did. did. The in Alcantara? He yep. did. Wow. I couldn't believe it, but he got it right. Good for you. <laughs> well, what, do you what do you got today? The, the Marlins are still the Marlins. Well, that's true. Uh, that's a team that's not going to uh, win a lot of games. No. And the Cardinals did get a couple of years out of Marcelo Zuna. One pretty darn good year out of Marcelo Zuna before losing him. But that might be one of those deals where you look four, five, six years down the road and say, man, we had Sandy Alcantara. And the Cardinals, they knew they were giving up something in Sandy Alcantara. They really liked him when they gave him up. But to see him up close and personal yesterday, whew, he's good. Yeah, he, he uh, when he first made his debut with the Cardinals, he was just a thrower. He was throwing 100. He was tall. He was lanky. He was a fireballer. And now he's still a fireballer, but with a total clue of where the ball is going. With a great changeup, really good off-speed pitches, um, and he was at, I, I guess his hundredth pitch or like 101 was triple digits, and he's able to spot the ball. I mean, he, he's he's really good, and and I mentioned this during the the telecast yesterday. Everybody I've talked to with the Marlins says he's a wonderful guy. He's involved in all kinds of charities. He's the team leader. He's the wow. ace of the staff, and he's turned into everything that they thought he could be and is better. That's in both on and off the field for the Mar uh, Miami Marlins. Yesterday, he gives the Marlins eight shutout innings, but it was the ninth where the Cardinals were able to put a couple of runners on board, get a runner in scoring position to send Yadi Molina to the plate against El Contra. And the Cardinals were able to get the hit from Yadi and win it by a score of 1-0. And Yachty comes through. It was a two-strike uh, pitch, too. And he pulls it down the left field line. And again, where would the Cardinals be without Yachty or Molina, without Adam Wainwright, and uh, if they don't make the trade for Arnato? You know, all those guys, 
you know, you think about your your big guys that have to come through in a series, and Yachty came through yesterday. Goldie had a good series. Arenado with one of the quiet plays that won't get talked about in this series, but in game two on a bunt with birdie running in game two from first to second on a sacrificed uh, tight game late makes a play of a third baseman that most guys don't make in getting him the lead runner. You know, so when those guys contribute and, and perform at the level that they're supposed to, you have a chance to win. To your point about where would this Cardinals team be without Wayno and Yachty, when we spoke to Adam Wayne right yesterday, I asked him about being the guy that steps up in big moments, and he said that there's just something in him that when there's a little bit more incentive there, he rises to the occasion. Yachty or Molina is the same way, and to have two guys on your team that are capable of doing that, I think is pretty rare. Meanwhile, Johan Oviedo with his best start, he goes seven innings, he doesn't allow a run, he strikes out four, and most importantly, seven innings, he didn't walk anybody. He He's developing before our eyes. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and if you noticed, if you're watching really intently during the game, he was taking velocity off. So when we're, you know, if you look in baseball and, and people are talking about foreign substances in the game and and Tyler Glass now saying, well, how am I going to do this? Oh, my God. You know, I was throwing it 100. What, how am I going to compete? Well, take some off and pitch. That was pitching yesterday. So he took velocity down and located. And that's what he did. And so that's how you have to do this. And essentially, that's what baseball is going to have to have some of these guys do. And that's what I saw out of Johan Oviedo. By the way, I'm not putting Johan Oviedo in the group of people using foreign substances. I'm just talking generally. But for him to locate, he wasn't just firing back in max effort. He was a guy that was looking to locate. And Brad made a great point. He said during the game, let's see what he looks like when he gets a runner on. And then for three consecutive innings, he got a runner on and made an adjustment. So obviously, we are seeing him, as you put it, and it's well put. He's growing before our eyes, and he was outstanding yesterday. Just terrific. And one of the things Alcantara can do, and this is devastating for a hitter, he can make 91 look like 97. It's the same arm speed, and that's what Oviedo is becoming. He's going to wind up having a really good changeup, too, and... That's why guys like Eric Gagne at the top of his game, Trevor Hoffman at the top of his game were so good is that they had the change. Now, when Michael Walker came up, he had the great change. There's going to have to be another pitch there, but the guy's a baby in terms of his baseball experience. It's going to come along. Yeah, he's 23, and he threw a curveball yesterday that was, uh, I think, in the 6th or the 7th, and it was his best pitch of the game. I mean, he's got... They they try to go to him and say, look what, what happens when you throw strikes. If you're inside the zone, here's the numbers against you when you're throwing inside the zone and not walking people. No one really hits you. So throw strikes. You know, be, be confident enough to do that. And I think sometimes with young pitchers, and I can understand why this happens, is you're going to get away with things in the minor leagues that you don't get away with in the major leagues. And so... That's what you, you know, but it's always the old adage of trusting your stuff. He's got good stuff, so trusted, and we saw that yesterday. I thought he took a little off and was able to locate, and obviously the results were there. After Sunday night, a lot of people thought the Cardinal season was over after they got swept by the Reds. Still a little time left, but uh, but swept by the Cubs. Reds beat the Brewers yesterday 2-1. to The Reds have won six in a row, but the Brewers have now lost three in a row. And last night, even though Jacob deGrom left the game after three innings with a shoulder injury, the Mets knocked off the Cubs 6-3. to So the Cubs have lost three in a row. And as we mentioned, the Cardinals are 
three games back in the division, and they take on the Braves tonight. And Atlanta, if you haven't been paying attention to them, they've had pitching injuries galore. You won't have to see Wright. You won't have to see Soroka. They haven't been there all year. Their infield is still solid and healthy, but they've got the same sort of outfield issues that the Cardinals are experiencing. They definitely aren't the Braves team we expected them to be at the beginning of the season. But you're right. There's still a lot of baseball left to play for the Cardinals. And if they take advantage of this spot in the schedule, they start to get some guys back. They start to get healthy. You're in a different position. I think what we've seen is that the Cardinals are very good against sub-500 teams, not so good against teams that are above 500. Right. And that's got to change to where you, you got to beat up on th- these teams that you're playing. You've got this soft spot in the schedule. That's just the way it is. And that's how it happens in every single year. So they've, they've taken advantage here the first three games. And now you get the Braves. And the Braves, have again, uh, they've been a disappointment. That's just... A team that has not had a good bullpen. They also, by the way, lost Marcelo Zuna. Mm-hmm. He's done. So, And before the season, Marquecas retired. And right. Pache, their center fielder, hasn't delivered what they thought he would That's deliver. right. You're getting Acuna's production, but nobody else from the outfield is doing anything. Um, so you go to Truist Field, and you got them for four. Then you go to Detroit. Then you come back home. You've got Pittsburgh, Arizona. So this is the soft spot in the schedule, and you gotta you got to take care of business. Hockey last night, the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Canadians surprised the Golden Knights. In Vegas, 3-2, Montreal wins it. So that series tied 1-1 as it heads back to Montreal. I don't know if you guys have watched the pregame stuff, the beginning of the game in Vegas. Doesn't that look like the best place to go see a hockey game? They, they do an amazing job. They have an incredible intro. When they get out on the ice after they do the entire warm-up, it, I was so hyped watching the beginning of that game, but obviously not enough to get them to win. Montreal was pretty hyped, too. Yeah, they were. <laughs> they do a good job there, though. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's Vegas. Yeah, it's all natural it's a show. to them. Right. It's a show, yeah. Yep. I've been to a Blues game in Vegas and got there early to see it. It, it is amazing what they do to, to hype up the crowd. It's fun. And last night in the NBA, Atlanta was down 26 to Philadelphia. They were down 24 with 2.10 left in the third quarter, down 18 heading into the fourth, and Atlanta beat the Sixers, 109-106, took a 3-2 lead in that best-of-seven series. And without Kawhi Leonard, Paul George stepped up, and the Clippers knocked off the top-seeded Jazz, coached by Quinn Snyder. 119-111, the Clippers lead that series three games to two. You thought for sure Philadelphia was going to pull that out. They had Dr. J in the house. They had AI in the house. It looked like they were going to cruise to a victory, and Paul George steps up. I don't know, does this change the narrative around playoff P that he was able to pull out a performance like that without Kawhi? Yeah, that was... It wasn't what Kevin Durant did the other night, but it was Durant-esque in lifting the the rest of the Clippers around him to a victory. And watching that game, though, I'm thinking, did Philadelphia lose this game or did the Clippers win that game? Philadelphia. Uh, are you Utah? Uh, Atlanta. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Atlanta yeah, right. and Philadelphia. Yeah. My bad. Joel Embiid just fell asleep in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And he was fantastic for three quarters. Philadelphia lost that game. Philadelphia lost that game or yeah. did Atlanta win that game? Yeah. Hey, if you made it out to Ballpark Village yesterday, we were on the Bud Deck for Dunctionary Day. Had a great time. It was sold out. There were a ton of really nice people, listeners, and we appreciate you coming out and being a partner with 101 ESPN and celebrating the life and times of Chris Duncan. We had a chance to watch the games on the big screen and hear Dan's voice. You called the game in stellar fashion with oh, your dulcet yeah. tones. Oh, yeah. And then just being out there. <laughs> if you have an, an opportunity, if you're having a, a corporate get-together, you're throwing a party, go out to the Bud Deck. It's awesome. It's a great time. 
the crowds, uh, even though I think some people were surprised that, uh, like, it wasn't 40,000 people because we said it was 100% capacity. The Cardinals never draw well. Kind of got a tough draw to open up with 100% capacity with uh, Miami in town. They they never draw well. I, I, I know this, though, is that the next homestand, you're going to see more people. And by the end of... Um, we're in June, right? Yeah. So yeah, okay. So June once we it get in June seventeenth. Yeah, by the end of July or mid or July, mid July All Star break. When we come back from the All Star break, they have a long trip in the very beginning of the month. So after the All Star break, you're going to start seeing those quote unquote normal crowds. You're going to start seeing that back at Bush Stadium. I just thought people would want to come back and see Mag Sierra. I just, <laughs> you know, if you have the opportunity, it's you so still rare. have your jersey. Yes, I do. Good. You should have worn it. I, I was going Cardinals. I only wear that when the Marlins are playing somebody other than the Cardinals. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> he can run, man. He can run. Uh, we're off and running here on <laughs> Character Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Sick of It. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome your text, 65780. Guys, yesterday LeBron James went on a Twitter rant about he uh, about how he predicted all of these injuries because <laughs> of the short turnaround in the NBA season from last year to this year. I'll tell you what, Le- LeBron, if you predicted this, why didn't you tell Kawhi Leonard? Why didn't you say, hey, do more load management this year? <laughs> why did you stop doing load management now? I'm telling you what, I'm sick of LeBron saying, yeah, I knew everything. You didn't know everything. Are you really going to predict Chris Paul getting COVID-19, being in COVID-19 protocol? Really? But it's LeBron. So, of course, he wants to take credit for something. The the only one that I see where I say, okay, that maybe was overuse was, and it really shouldn't be, is James Harden with the, the soft tissue injury. Kyrie's ankle getting twisted because he steps on Giannis? Come on, you going to predict that? Yeah, I'm sick of that. But piggybacking off that, I'm sick of all the injuries we're seeing in sports, not only in the NBA with so many stars out, Kawhi, you've got Kyrie out, you've got James Harden out. I mean, the list goes on and on in baseball, too. So many big stars in baseball. You have Max Scherzer with an injury, Mike Trout, now Jacob deGrom. It just seems like every day in whatever sport we're talking about, having a star be injured is the headline, and I'm sick of it. Sick of it. It's better though than no sports. Dan, that, that's the that's the crux of it, right? <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. You know that that was a thing. I mean, if if you were going to bring these sports back, and I, I think everybody had a realization that you probably were going to have some of these athletes, depending on how they approach the shutdown, you're just going to have guys get hurt, especially in baseball, where it's specialization with pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, when you ramp up in spring training, then you shut down, then you have to get ready, then you shut down, and then for some guys, you got to build back up. I, I just think you, you were it was bound to happen with that. But I, I'm with you on LeBron. I'm I'm done with that. And, just stop. Uh, hey, this guy's played in a couple of Olympics, right? 
I didn't see him getting hurt after Olympics. Maybe it has to do with the fact that he's 36 or 37 years old. Or maybe it has to do with the fact that he's not in the playoffs anymore and he still wants to be in the headlines and talking about something. Bingo. That could be. <laughs> Bingo. Um, yeah, I'm kind of sick of the, uh, and I, I know we have some texts of this, the foreign substance talk in baseball. You know, learn to pitch. It was. It's in the rule book. You're not supposed to use it, so yep. deal with it. I, and I understand it's not ideal that it happens in mid-June, and it probably should have been addressed if you were going to enforce this in the game and say, hey, we're going to address this right now, starting day one. Well, they looked at it, and this was really supposed to be kind of an exploratory thing to where, you know, okay, let's – Let's let's find out what's happening this year. We'll 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 get it in the CBA and may and talk to all that stuff. Oh my god, look at what's going on in two and a half months or whatever we got now. It's it's terrible. We got to do this now. That's how bad it is. So that's that's the point is that it got so bad and the product is so non-entertaining at times that we we got to do something right now. Even with the players having been warned in spring training. There was a memo in spring training too <laughs> and there was a memo before 2020. Yeah, but it's also in the rule book. Yeah, that's, that's the, the other line. point is that people are forgetting this is in the rule book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not supposed to be able to do this. So figure it out. A lot of players freaking out about it, too. Have you seen some of the sound bites coming out in the last yeah. couple of days? Players are being very vocal about it. Some, some whiny, some tantrums almost about this. You know, the interesting part, though, Michelle, I'm not hearing many hitters. <laughs> It's all pitchers. It's a good yeah. point, Dan. Yep. <laughs> yeah. good I haven't point. heard one hitters come out. I, I, I'm being serious about this, and I'm not trying to be funny. I have not heard one hitter come out and say, you know, make some kind of comment that would, you know, grab my attention. And this was, is all pitchers. I was thinking about this last night. I wonder how much of all of the fallout here, granted, the West taking Geo's hat was probably a tipping point, but that one video of that one Blake Trinan pitch. I wonder how much Major League Baseball said that's just not real. We got to do something about this. I think they've seen multiple stuff yeah. of, of instances of that. Uh, to me, it was more of we have to find entertainment, mm-hmm. and we're going to lose people if because the numbers bear it out. We we have no yeah. You can grab a box score, I'm sure, this morning and find that both teams had multi, uh, double digit strikeouts, and you know the offense just isn't there. And we, we got to get back to, to showing off the athleticism of the game. Bingo. Emily, what do you got for us on the text line, 65780? From the 636, I'm already sick of the hot weather. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Think about this, though. It could be 35. Would you rather have 35 or 95? I'll take 95 every Me single too. day. Yes, yeah, so will I. Right. I don't get sick of hot weather. Me winter, neither. Winter's stupid. I get sick of the humidity, though. Yeah. I don't even recognize humidity. I'm fine. I like the hot. From the 573, I'm sick of DeGrom's lingering injuries. He's supposed to be the ace of my fantasy team. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Last night he struck out eight of the first nine Cubs and then had to leave the game with shoulder tenderness. And you would he should, probably should not have pitched after having the forearm stiffness in his previous start. But everybody was on board with it. And so he went to the hill. And yeah, it is a bummer, especially if you have him on your fantasy team. He's electric, man. And he, unbelievable. He, he's great for the game when he pitches. I, I I will stop and watch what I'm doing. If I know he's going to pitch and I, I get the ticket, so I watch all the games I can. And he's electric, especially at home. Um, when, when I would do the games that Pedro Martinez would pitch, even in his latter stages of his career with the Mets, place was electric. Mm-hmm. And it's got that same feel when, when DeGrom's going because he may do something special. Hello, Emily. 
from the 314, sick of putting so much pressure on the Cards pitching staff. We've got a nasty lineup that needs to put a ton of runs on the board every night. Yes, they do. But the pitching staff for that 11-12 game stretch after Flaherty was injured and until these last four games, they really scuffled. Everything was bad in that 10-11 game stretch. I'd be interested to know, uh, I'm going to look it up today, how many games have the Cardinals won when Flaherty or the big three haven't pitched in a game? Oh. Yeah. Good question. Can't be many. Good question. And Dan, by the way, Adam told us yesterday, he said, you, you guys know what we call the back three of our bullpen, right? No. We call them Latin Heat. Latin Heat, baby. Yeah. That's uh, the, So Cabrera, Gallegos, Reyes, the, the players are calling them Latin Heat. I, I call them really good. <laughs> <laughs> They're nasty. They are. From the 636, I'm sick of Rob Manfred being reactive and not proactive. 100% reactive. Mm-hmm. Everything that baseball does is reactive, and it is kind of frustrating. When you're in that seat, I'm not sure if you guys agree with this or not. You know, he's a labor lawyer, and he's very good. He's been very good at his job in terms of negotiating deals and getting players on the field. I mean, that's the number one thing. You want to keep the sport going. But I would think that in that job, when you're a commissioner, a great portion of your job is selling the sport to your fan base. I don't don't care that he's a labor lawyer. I just want to see baseball. I want to see it in the best way possible that you can present it. I don't want to hear that the commissioner says that the trophy is a, a piece of metal. That's not, and, and that's not a way to appease to uh, uh, appeal to my my fans or my players. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. like like look at how the the NBA gets along with their commissioner. Don Garber's done a great job with the MLS. Mm-hmm. The, there's been issues, obviously, with the NHL, but it's gotten better. Um, and that that's a problem right now with with Major League Baseball. Yeah, but if you have a situation like this one, where you recognize the problem in spring of 2020, and you're implementing measures in the middle of a season in June of 21, that is way too much reaction. You should have, when you recognize the problem, take action then. I don't think though that people realized how bad it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like when when they they said, yeah, we know guys are using it, and we understand that um, there, there's an issue. I, I'm I'm just I'm convinced, and I don't know this as fact, but I'm in my own mind, I'm convinced that they didn't realize it's well, this bad until they started doing their own research and measuring this. And that's reaction. It's it's like Faye Vincent in 1992 sending out the steroid memo. It's if you see an issue, nip it in the bud. But they fired Bubba Harkins prior oh, to that, they did and that. they knew that all of a lot of big name pitchers were in contact with him. So clearly, they knew it was something that not only was a big enough problem to fire somebody who had been in that position for a long time because of it, but that it was really pervasive in baseball among a lot of your stars. So I'm I'm kind of with you on the reactive thing. I also think baseball just gets in its own way a lot. Whether it's when we were in the pandemic and it was all the arguing with the owners and the players, it just seems like there's always something that baseball could avoid that they're stepping in. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up, we're going to talk some ball with Greg Amzinger of MLB Network. He's coming your way on Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
Michelle Swoman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Greg Amzinger, a product of the Lindenwood University, a native of St. Louis, a Cardinals fan, and the lead anchor at MLB Network. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. The difference three days makes, right? Oh. I mean, three days ago, the Cubs were up six games. Brewers running away with the division. Cardinals are going to be sellers more than likely at the deadline. They win three in a row. They beat the Cardinals, the Brewers, and the Cubs each lose three in a row. And now the Cardinals are thinking, who are they going to acquire at the deadline? They're only three games out of first place. It's amazing the emotional roller coaster of a baseball season. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Greg, with everything going on in baseball, with the emotional roller coaster that we're on, with good teams struggling, with uh, all of the talk about sticky substances. Maybe the most amazing season that a player has had in my lifetime is taking place, and it's overshadowed. I cannot believe Shohei Otani. It's the biggest story, in my opinion, in baseball. We're obsessed with Jacob DeGrom, and we should be. I mean, if he just stay healthy, that's the issue. He's always been great, but he, he could rival if he does get back and pitch every fifth day what Bob Gibson did with a 1.12 ERA. That's how amazing DeGrom has been. But Shohei Otani with 19 home runs going yard again last night and and being a terrific starting pitcher. Uh, For the good of the game, I want this guy to win the home run derby in in Colorado, and I want him to, to, to be the starting pitcher for the American League. Like, that is how special this talent is. As great as Vladdy Guerrero has been for the Blue Jays, sitting over 340, triple crown contender, if you look at all of his stats, I still think the most valuable player, and I don't know how you can dispute it, is a guy that is now the number one offensive force on his team and the number one starting pitcher on his team. We're not talking about a high school baseball team, folks. We're not talking about a team in the ACC. We're talking about a major league baseball club in Los Angeles. And that is what Shohei Otani's done. It, the ripple effect of his performance just this year is going to change baseball. It's a generational impact of what he's doing, and it will inspire all these young people watching Otani right now. It's a big deal. Huge story. Earlier this week, he had the second hardest hit home run this season. Giancarlo Stanton has the hardest. He had his 19th homer last night. He had his third bunt hit of the season last night. He stole his 10th base last night, and like you said, starts today with a 2.85 earned run average on the mound. And his split finger could be the most uh, dominant pitch in all of baseball. If you look at individual pitches and what the opponent's batting average is, he has one of the most dominant individual pitches. When scouts grade him out, he has four-plus pitches with velocity that goes to triple digits. It's incredible. The speed, which I'm glad you brought up, is overlooked because he legs out infield singles. He flies around the bases with these gigantic strides. I'm telling you, man, he is a special talent. I had a chance to meet him when he was uh, honored as the best rookie in baseball by the New York writers. And I was at the dinner and we're backstage and I'm meeting some of the, you know, all the players are there and actually took my brother Joe with me and he's focused rehearsing his speech in English. And it was the first time that he was actually going to speak publicly in English, and he wouldn't talk to anybody because he was, he was locked in, and I was watching him recite it over and over again. I mean, the guy's a perfectionist. He cares. He doesn't do anything halfway, and 
I think what we're watching right now, there will be a movie made about Shohei Otani someday. That's how good it is. And by the way, I said, Stan, it's Judge that has the hardest hit ball, Otani number two. Michelle? Um, Greg, instead of talking about Otani, though, all it seems like we're talking about in regards to baseball right now is foreign substances. So what do you make of Major League Baseball's crackdown against foreign substances? Do you think that the 10-game suspension is going to be enough? Uh, it's really, really a difficult topic because when you do something like this in mid-season, it means guys are doing crazy things to the baseball. I mean, bottom line, that's what's going on. I think one of the greatest interviews I've ever seen, uh, never aired on my network, it, 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 and I don't own my network, but MLB Network, uh, <laughs> L.A. Spectrum, uh, Spectrum L.A., the regional that carries Los Angeles Dodgers baseball games. Two days ago, they interviewed, the, the pregame show interviewed Trevor Bauer. Now, you have to understand, where, where I sit on the anchor desk, I get to see all of the screams, screams in front of me of all the RSN. So I get to see Dan McLaughlin do his hair, like, in the booth before he does an on-camera hit. I can see what they call the back call, right? <laughs> so I'm watching all the satellite feeds, and I see Trevor Bauer doing an interview. So we're in commercial break, and I asked to turn that up because I want to see what he has to say. This is the big news. Baseball just released the memo. And Trevor Bauer is going, guys, at the end of the day, baseball is allowing us to cheat. He goes, look at my hands. He put his hands up into the camera. He goes, they're perfectly clean. He put water on them, dried them off in in front of the camera. He goes, I am sweaty. I just ran the track. So he took his clean hand, wiped his forehead with his hand and then took a rosin bag that he had not touched yet. He goes, I get to touch this as much as I want. So he's touching the rosin bag and he keeps touching it. And he's throwing it in his hand up and down, up and down, up and down, throws the bag down. This is on camera live, grabs a baseball and then opens his hand straight up as the ball is hanging from the palm of his hand without any fingers around it. The ball is stuck to the palm of his hand with rosin and sweat. He's like, at the end of the day, baseball is giving us a grip that I can do this. He did the rest of the interview with a ball hanging from his palm (laughs) stuck there. So uh, if guys were doing more than that, it's egregious. It's out of line. It's ridiculous. And it adds to the whole spin rate obsession, which obviously matters. Baseballs are moving at a ridiculous level. They had to do something about it. Whenever you change an aspect of Major League Baseball, you're going to be criticized. No matter what it is, you're going to have haters come at you from all angles. If there's one thing I give this commissioner, Rob Manfred, credit for, is he doesn't care about the haters. He does what he wants to do. He changes the game when he thinks it's right, and he knows he's going to be in a pressure cooker for doing it. So something had to happen. Baseball gives these guys the opportunity to grip clearly, but they were abusing that freedom. So... I don't know if 10 games is enough. I don't know if being an umpire is, sounds fun at all. Basically, you're working at the TSA in an airport, and you're checking everybody all the time in between innings, so they don't get a chance to catch their breath. It's going to be rough, but we'll see how it plays out. Something, though, Michelle, had to be done. Yeah, I, I saw the interview. It was, it was great. Um, and it went on forever, too, and it was just compelling to see him go through how this is done. I, I saw the same thing, Greg. And by the way, my hair looks fabulous uh, before games. So thanks for checking that out. Um, what, what have you thought of uh, being in New York? And, you know, at the forefront of this thing is Garrett Cole. And, you know, you're you're in the center of, of media and attention with this. What have you thought about how he has reacted, what's going on here in, in terms of what just his response to all this? It's just, 
I don't know, man. Some of this stuff, I'm just like, look, you're cheating. So deal with it and handle it. Yeah, he he has not been coached well when it comes to this because you have to understand it's also coinciding with the Yankees at the time when he came out with that awful press conference. They were playing terrible baseball and and just fading fast. They've regrouped in Buffalo and, and won a few games in a row against the Blue Jays, and he was really good last night. That's the funny thing, Dan. Now we're all watching everything he does because if this spin rate, and grip impacted Garrett Cole to a level that now he's the great Houston Astro taking his team to the World Series, getting a $300 plus million contract because of it. And then you're wondering, well, wait a minute, without it, is he the Pittsburgh Pirate right-hander who had an ERA over 4.2 and was erratic around the strike zone and would get squared up with his 98 because he couldn't locate it? So you don't know who he is at the moment. We have to assume that he, he's playing the game the right way, using what is given to him, a rosin bag, and he has performed well. His last two starts, he has performed well, but he is now going to be watched through a different lens. And, and there's always been pressure being the big-money guy pitching for the New York Yankees. That's always there. Add this component to it, and to me, it's, just, it's another obstacle for a Yankee team with high expectations that they're going to have to get through. But you're absolutely right. They needed to talk to him before they knew he was going to be asked this question. They had to know, with the New York media waiting on a Zoom call, that he was going to be asked about this. The fact that that was his response, and then what he's done after the, the fact, it's been poor, and I'm shocked, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I know Jason Zillow who's the, the head of their PR group of the Yankees. All their communications people do such a great job with this. I was shocked that he has come out and rolled this out so poorly. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, with us on 101 ESPN. Greg, if somebody pays attention to the American League or doesn't pay much attention and looks and sees, okay, the three teams tied for the most wins in the American League are the White Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Oakland Athletics. They all have 43 wins. My question is, is one of those teams the best team in the American League? Yeah, I still think the Chicago White Sox, of those three, are the best. Now, I know the A's are rolling. They got Ramon Laureano back, who I think is a terrific talent. Had a great catch last night, hit a home run. And for some reason, it just sounds bad when you ever second-guess the Oakland A's because they always shock us. As we talk about those three teams, if the playoffs started tomorrow, the team that I think I, I wouldn't want to play at all, the Houston Astros. I, the Houston Astros might not win the division, but might go to the World Series. They've got guys with a chip on their shoulder that are starting to play great. Carlos Correa looks like an MVP right now. They just got Lance McCullers back, got him on a pitch limitation. They're working him in. The bullpen has been surprisingly good. Ryan Presley's been a, a lockdown closer for the Houston Astros. But if I'm just going to compare those three teams with the glass now injury being as impactful as it is, he was their clear-cut ace. I can't believe the Tampa Bay Rays can still do this in that division with the Red Sox on their heels, with the Yankees look like they're playing better. You get an MVP candidate with uh, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. So I think they're going to come down to earth. Uh, I just It's hard to second-guess the Oakland A's. I, I think the A's will win the West. They're not going to go to the World Series. The Chicago White Sox have the best bullpen names, best starting rotation names, and big boppers in that lineup. So of those three, I'll give it to the White Sox. But if the playoffs started tomorrow, I'd say the Astros would go to the World Series. And, oh, by the way, being a baseball fan in the Bay Area is pretty fun right now. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe what's going on with the San Francisco Giants. I, I, I need to send them a gift basket 
with an apology card to Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi. Because I still, I, as they, I sit here watching them, you know, dominate the Arizona Dimebacks, which is a whole other topic. <laughs> How do you lose that many games on the road? But the San Francisco Giants be the best team in the National League? Are you kidding me? No way. I still don't buy it. I, they might clinch in September, Randy, and I'm still going to go, ah, I'm not feeling it. I'm serious. It's the craziest story. The fact that the San Francisco Giants are this good right now. Hey, I hope everything's going well. You playing golf today? Oh, of course I'm playing golf. Uh, a little tournament, uh, a charity golf tournament. Golf course I know really well. Played well yesterday, hit it off the tee, so... That usually means I'm going to shoot a 98 if I played well the day before. (laughs) That's how it works. Have a great time. We'll be watching tonight, and we always appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, Greg. All right. You guys are the best. Take care. See you. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. And, of course, you can see him on MLB tonight every single night. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for a little game of Take It or Leave It with Michelle, Dan, and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, Dan, Randy with you. Kids, DeAndre Holmes Wilfork, the son of Patriots great Vince Wilfork, has been charged with the theft of his father's jewelry, including two of his dad's Super Bowl rings. According to a report from the Galveston County Daily News, uh, the DA office released a police complaint earlier this week dealing, uh, detailing the allegations against the younger Wilfork, who was arrested on May 22nd. Take it or leave it, the theft of the first Wilfork Super Bowl ring should not be enforced because Vince Wilfork stole that one. Randy... Take it or leave it. Take um, it. <laughs> I'm going to leave it. You were thinking, you, you've been waiting to say this for at least 48 hours. You've been thinking about this. Yes, I have. Yeah, come on. All those Patriots rings were stolen. <laughs> so you think it's karma? I do. They stole mm-hmm. the ring, so the ring will get stolen from them? Yeah. Did you ever see the ESPN story about the guys in New England who robbed the ring company for the Giants, and they wound up stealing a bunch of the Giants Super Bowl rings? No, I didn't. It's a great ESPN story. Wow. It's It's unbelievable. It's a professional robber, and they, they didn't know. Was this know. like a 30-30 short? No, it's it's an ESPN, the magazine, ESPN.com oh, okay. oh, story. Okay. It's fantastic. And they had no idea they were robbing the jeweler that made the Super Bowl rings, but they get in. You know, they go in in the middle of the night. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's in, in an industrial park, and they cut through the roof to get in. And they get in, and they're stealing these millions of dollars worth of jewelry. And somebody opens up, like, a box and says, hey, there's a bunch of Super Bowl rings here. Oh and they wound up stealing a bunch of giant Super Bowl rings. So they got caught. Yeah. That, well, they got caught because a guy was showing off one of the giant Super Bowl rings. Really? Yeah. So they, they the guy got thrown in jail. It's a great Oops. ESPN.com story. I'll tweet it right now if yeah. I can find it. Um, I want to read that. But isn't that what always happens is somebody can't keep their mouth yep. shut about the heist? Yep. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I've been watching Heat over and over. It's been on Showtime this month. I've never seen it. Oh, it's an awesome movie. You seen it, Randy? I have not. Who's, Who's in, in it? it? Heat? You guys haven't seen Heat? Hold no. on, is it? Uh, that's Pit- not Charles Grodin. No, it's got Pacino, Val Kilmer. Oh, Val, I'm in. Oh, it's awesome. What's it about? 
A lot of uh, uh, stealing and things of that nature. I'm sure I've seen it. Oh, it's awesome. I can't believe you guys haven't seen that. It's on my weekend list, though, Dan. Oh, it's great. Yeah, you got to see it. You said it's on HBO? Uh, I think it might be on Showtime this month. But anytime it's on, I've been watching. (laughs) That and Carlito's way I've been watching. I haven't seen that either. Yeah, I've got a really good life right now. (laughs) (laughs) Baseball and heat, the Danny Mac story. I'm telling you. Okay, guys, so Tyler O'Neill extended his on-base streak to a career-best 22 games. 22. 22 games with that infield hit for the Cardinals in the fourth yesterday. Take it or leave it, the streak gets to at least 25. Mm. I'm going to take it. Yeah, why not? Sure, let's go. Let's go 25. I think that's a fair number. Take it or leave it. That's a lot, man. That's a, that's basically a month of getting on base. That's but, a lot. Yeah, but with the is. Braves and, and their bullpen issues, I'm wondering if he can't just sure. crank it off three more times. And their starter, starting issues, too. They've had issues there, too. Yeah, why not? Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill's streak of 22 is as impressive as the Diamondback streak of 22, which is consecutive road losses. Look at this. I just wrote that oh. down for my, uh, oh, you aren't go. you something today, huh? <laughs> That was my take it or leave it. So I'm taking a, a little spin on this. So take it or leave it. The Diamondbacks will be uh, going for not a record they want. It'll be their 22nd consecutive loss on the road tonight if they lose against the Giants. But take it or leave it. Is this an all-time bad team? Take it. They're on pace to be right now. Look at that. They, they, yeah. they, 40 and 100. I don't <laughs> get it, though. I don't either. I know they. I know what the pace is, and I. And I'm like that. They're not that bad. Like I see David Peralta. I like some of the guys they got. Carson Kelly was mm-hmm. off to a great start. Man, but they're that bad. Wow. Doesn't it seem like to lose that many cons- consecutive road games that you're trying to do it? It's, it's almost impossible to not run into a win at that In point. In baseball, it really is. It's almost impossible to do that. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I, I just I can't envision them being an all-time bad team, but they're on pace to be an all-time bad team. They are. It's not like a team that prior to the season, like the Orioles, that was given a zero percent, zero point zero percent chance of making the playoffs. Michelle, I looked at their team, and I, I we just did a series with them like two or three weeks ago, and I'm like, okay, they got this guy, that guy, and I, I thought, eh, they're okay, mm-hmm. not good, not not great, but okay. They're gonna they're gonna scrap, like you said, that you. You walk into some wins in baseball. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. But they're awful. Yeah. And that streak matches the 63 Mets and the 43 A's for the longest road losing streak since 1900. And they'll go for number, well, I don't know if they're going for 23 in a row, but they might get 23 in a row. Well, tonight. you guys didn't, you didn't play the game. Oh, I'm taking it. They're okay. all-time bad. Are they an all-time bad team? I'm going to have to take it. Yeah. The, right. the numbers are the numbers. Do you think Goldie and Arenado just look at the Rockies and the Diamondbacks and they'll high five each other and say, "We got out, bro." Thank yeah. goodness we're we're not there. <laughs> yeah, they got right. the Rockies and swept the Padres this that's week. True. This week, though, amazing. That's the the weird stuff of baseball. Yeah. Exactly, yep. which makes this even exactly. more, even more shocking. Yeah. It's just so weird. Emily, Love what do you have for us? From the three one four, this one's pretty cool. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, in the spirit of Father's Day, I'm happy to announce this is the first day my dad and I have listened to your show together. Oh, very cool. Thank you very much. Absolutely adorable. Take it or leave it. Sports radio is always better listening with your dad. Thanks from John the Son and Jerome the Dad. John and Jerome. Hello. J and J. Hey, Johnny. Now, Jerome. Yeah. 
Remember the old song, Jesse, now Jerome? I don't remember what song it was, but... I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Normally I'm on, your, uh, on the you, same page. Okay, we're going to play I'm this I'm taking song. big time L's this segment. I don't know Heat. I, <laughs> I don't know what Randy's The 217 says, I can't believe Randy and Michelle haven't seen Heat. Great movie. Where are you guys? I don't know. There is a long list of movies, that I, great movies that I haven't seen. So it's a flaw of mine. I, I've probably seen it. And when I get... 10 minutes and I'll say, oh yeah, I've seen this before. Don't you do that with movies? Okay. Awesome. Carlito's Way is really good too. Okay. Is that De Niro too? No, that's uh, Pacino. Yeah. yeah. I've seen um, Goodfellas. I've seen The Godfather. I've seen Casino. Well, everybody's seen those. <laughs> Come on, Michelle. I'm just trying to get some cool points. From All right. Dad. You got cool points. <laughs> those are great movies too. But and if they're on, I stop and watch. Absolutely. How If Goodfellas is on, how do you stop not and watch. stop and watch? It's the best movie. Um, but as far as listening to sports radio with your dad, uh, John and Jerome, I got to take it. It's the best. Normally, uh, my dad has been deceased for many, many He's been gone now almost 25 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Randy? I think so, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But if we were listening, we'd be like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be yelling at him. Who who believes them? They haven't even seen Heat. Yeah, I mean, come on. What are they talking about? We know better. Come on. <laughs> but isn't that why it's fun? Yes, that's true. That That's the point of it. That That, that is the fun part. part. From the 314, take it or leave it, Amzinger could beat Randy in the fight baseball edition. No clues needed. Oh, that's a really good one. I'm going to leave that. Take it. I think no. it would be a battle for the ages. Greg, Greg is not not to make you sound old, Randy. But I am okay. So you're a little older. He's seasoned. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> you always have a nice way of putting a bow on it. And um, he is a seasoned veteran, and he's he's a wily vet. You're a wily vet, okay? <laughs> a crusty and, old vet. Where we are. <laughs> he's crusty at times. When you're Uncle Randy, you're crusty old vet. Yeah. And when you're just Randy, you're just a wily vet. <laughs> and so when you're a wily vet. You, you get away with it. So yeah. y- your history of and your, your knowledge would, I think, usurp Am Singer. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. No I, problem. I know Greg knows a lot about baseball, but I watch Randy do it every day. So I'm not going to go it. against the GOAT. No way. Yeah. By the way, it was uh, Morris Day in the Time, Jungle Love. Jungle Love? Oh, I know this song. Yeah. 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 So, hey, Jesse, now Jerome. So there you go. That song's a bop. Big time. It's written by Prince. <laughs> song is what? A bop. Sad. It means it's it's you bop around to it. It's great. Yeah. Do you know that? Tell your kids today. Put on it's a song a and say this is a bop. You'll yeah. get. And cool then they'll points. start bopping, right? Yeah. yeah. Or say this is this song slaps. Tell your kids this <laughs> song slaps. How about a banger? A banger. You heard that there one? There we go. We're gonna just feed you lines to say to your kids, Dan, and they're gonna think you're the cool. Well, they probably already cool think you're the coolest, but no, they don't. You'll just get extra cool points. <laughs> thanks, Emily. Thank you, and thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, and bopped. Where do Cardinals go from <laughs> here? Now? Bopped. Yeah, but <laughs> bopped. Yeah, yeah. slapped. Bopped. Cardinals. We were wondering earlier this week where do the Cardinals go from here? Now that they've won three in a row, where are they going from here? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Molina pulls it fair. Down into the left field corner. Goldsmith will score. Back to back games. The 
Dan had the call yesterday on Valley Sports Midwest. Cardinals defeat the Marlins 1-0. Ryan Helsley, the winner over Sandy Alcantara, who went all the way for Miami. And the Cardinals now have a three-game winning streak. The Brewers and Cubs have both lost three in a row. So the Cardinals three back in the division and two back of the Reds, who, by the way, have won six in a row. And the Cardinals helped them out by losing to them four straight games. But now the Cardinals move on to Atlanta and what is a softer part of their schedule if you go by the records of the opposing teams. And Yadier Molina was asked yesterday if those back-to-back walk-offs can build the Cardinals' team morale. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, going back-to-back walk-off, I mean, it's it's great to have those uh, during the season. And and we did it the last two games. Hopefully the momentum keep going for, for Atlanta. That's the thing. You have to build momentum, and momentum is as strong as your next day's starting pitcher. But isn't it crazy how three days can change your perception or change your feeling if you're the Cardinals? You come off a weekend where you get swept by the Cubs. You get swept by your rival. You're dealing with a lot of injuries. You're feeling pretty down. You're feeling pretty bad. And then the next thing you know, even if it is a team that you're supposed to beat, you get a sweep at home. Some of your key players are starting to step up for you. You win a couple games in dramatic fashion. It really can change in a matter of days. And the Cardinals take on a Braves team that's four games below 500. They've dropped four of their last five. They are a disappointment right now, certainly in the National League East. And, you know, I got to see something from John Gant. You know, Mm -hmm. I got to see that he's going to hopefully throw strikes and try to get deeper into the game. Now, the, the one thing I would say from the Cardinals' perspective going into this game tonight is that you didn't use the, the three guys that normally, the you, heat. Yeah, that you normally <laughs> count on to get you a win. So at least one of those guys is available tonight, if not all three. But I got to see some from John Gant. I, got, I, I have to get better from John Gant. And in addition to that, Dan, and I agree with you 100%, especially because now you've had four straight quality starts. He's the outlier now. That's the difference in this team. If you get quality starts, you get a chance to win. The other thing the Cardinals need against a guy like Charlie Morton, who I would believe I'm not going, well, I'll make an accusation. I think that he probably benefited from using a substance. And now that they're checking the substances, I wonder how good he'll be. But the Cardinals need to hit Charlie Morton. They should. And... The way that it lines up uh, this weekend for the Albertos in this series is that you've got Gant tonight, Carlos Martinez against Max Freed. He's three and four. Then you got Wayne Wright against Drew Smiley. Smiley's been a big disappointment. Yeah. He's given up a ton of home runs. And then it's uh, KK and Tucker Davidson on Sunday. You know, this is, again, one of those series with a team that's below 500. The Cardinals have shown that they can beat teams below 500. That's been their M.O. this year. And with the soft spot in the schedule, go down there and take care of business. Mike Schilt on his Cardinal starters of late with the four straight quality starts. You know, these guys are here for a reason. Very capable. You know, give Carlos credit because he, he really went out there and you could tell he was determined. Um, is probably the best word. Convicted is another good word that resonates with what he did. He went out there and it's like, I'm going to go deep. I'm going to pitch well. I'm going to get it done. And gave us seven really strong innings. Um, and then we go from that to to Wayno, um, to KK, to now Ovi. And, you know, we talked about uh, KDS question, you know, very recently about, and I just brought up the fact that, you know, when we're pitching well and our starters are going deep, that's usually when, you know, we shake hands more times than not. And, uh, we were able to do that these last uh, last three games, and the starting pitch has been a been a pillar of that. 
first of all, all due respect, I don't know if a good term is you want to say Carlos is convicted. <laughs> you crack yourself up. I, I do. But, yes, the, they've been really good, and that's how you win. You win with good good starting pitching at the end of the day every team that winds up winning a world series does so with good starting pitching well and when they made that run earlier in the season it was with their starters they Mm -hmm. had that uh it was about a 14-day run and they were one of the best teams in baseball and every single time the guys were giving them six or seven innings right and if they can do that then they got a chance to win. They may have found something like yesterday with Oviedo. If Oviedo can locate like he did, and if he's going to take off a little velocity and sacrifice that for location because he's got plenty of velocity, even if it's diminished a little bit, um, they're going to. That, that's a guy that every fifth day you say, you know what, we got something here that fills a hole until some of these guys come back. It, there's there's no doubt. I mean, we all talk about the injuries. This team misses Flaherty big time. Big time. I mean, it is massive, massive. Of all the injuries they've had, that's the one that stands out because every fifth day you could stop a losing streak or win a series with him or whatever the case may be. It's it's huge. But if Oviedo can be what he was yesterday, you may have found something that's going to propel you into having a better year for sure. And that's what maybe you found yesterday is a guy that figured it out as he's growing before our eyes. Cards and Braves tonight, and that one is a 6:20 first pitch on Bally Sports with Dan McLaughlin. You will see it on TV locally. Cards and Braves. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Cards baseball. That is today's fresh take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk some blue. Hockey with Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic. Are you sometimes just doing the show by yourself? And <laughs> I'm just like, thinking of stuff. You, there's a crowd in front of you, and you're entertaining the crowd, and then you, you're you uh, reacting to yourself. Dan, I was just thinking about <laughs> an yes. old story that I saw where one guy got in a fight, and I don't know if he was... He, maybe a settlement was reached. I don't know. But... <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford is coming up next on 101 ESPN. I got a somebody who who gets the show uh, texted in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 and gave us a Randy. So I'm proud of that. When you does know, that drop? We, we need that. You know, Dusty and Tony square off tonight. Oh. Oh. That's awesome. That's yeah. good stuff, too. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I'm just trying to change the subject. <laughs> JR is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. With Michelle and Dan, I'm Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It was great to see Jeremy Rutherford yesterday at the ballpark for Dunctionary Day. Uh, it's always fun to see you during, well, hockey season, obviously, but we don't see you as much during the off season, Jr. So it was good to see you. How you doing? Yeah, real good. Yeah, just to be out on that roof deck, and we saw you, Randy, and you, Michelle. But where was Dan at? I was looking forward to seeing Dan. Uh, I was hiding out in the back. <laughs> I'm antisocial. <laughs> you no, everywhere you walk downtown, I can hear your voice just booming through the streets. I apologize uh, for that. <laughs> I knew you were down there. How you doing, buddy? Good, 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 guys. Did you enjoy your day at the ballpark? 
it was awesome. You know, I haven't been down there in a long time, and I realize that that whole area is uh, developed now. But just being a long, uh, lifelong St. Louis, and it was great to see. It, it's it's fun for everybody. You could just see the ind- individual families, you know, moms, dads, sons, daughters playing catch, playing bags out in that ballpark village area. It, it's just so great that everything's come back and, and that we have that uh, special place downtown. It does make you, I bet, in the back of your mind, maybe not, maybe I'm just uh, thinking, overthinking this uh, in terms of what you're thinking, but what enterprise could look like going into October? You know, when you have that opening night and Blues fans are welcome back for the first time at 100% capacity and what a Blues fan, uh, what a Blues game and experience will be like having the fans back at, for a hockey game. I mean, it's for me, I think about it, you know, I'm, I'm watching some of the NHL games and I'm thinking, man, did I miss that for, for Blues hockey this year? Yeah, Dan, and they were fortunate to get the 9,000 in the building for those the couple playoff games that they had before they got knocked out. Uh, but you're right, you know, to see what's going on in some of these uh, playoff arenas uh, with the hockey and, and to look into uh, Bush Stadium yesterday and see a lot of people. I can't wait to get back to Enterprise and, and see those crowds. JR, you have a great piece up at The Athletic uh, headlined what a perfect offseason could look like for the St. Louis Blues. And some of the things that you write are reality. Some are our dream, a perfect off season. But if you were going to pick one of the things that you wrote about that seemed realistic to you, what would it be? It has to be left wing. It really does. The Blues just don't have enough on that side. Uh, even if you bring Jaden Schwartz back, you need somebody. And so I tried to keep it as realistic as possible. Like you can't do a perfect off season, you know, in fantasy land because you know, what's going to come true? And, and are you going to be able to fit the team under the cap? Uh, probably not. So, you know, to me, as I painted the picture, Randy, in that article, I said, hey, look, even though Jaden Schwartz hasn't scored a ton for you, he's been inconsistent offensively. Um, he's, he's been a good defensive player, and his numbers aren't that bad compared to the rest of the league for the number of games he played. Let's not uh, forget that he missed 16 games with an oblique. But I don't think he's your number one left winger, and he may not even be your number two left winger if he's not going to be able to be more productive. So you need something else over there, and that's if you sign him. If you don't sign him, then you need a a couple guys. So to me, to pick one thing, you know, I I know this is probably pipe dream too, but Gabriel Landeskog I think is somebody that uh, would fit well with this roster. And would he leave Colorado? Who knows? Uh, Does St. Louis have a chance? Who knows? But if you had to pick one, he'd be the guy to bring that skill, bring that grit, bring that leadership to that Blues top six. JR, in reading the piece, there was one thing that really popped out to me, and that's what you proposed about Mike Hoffman. I think a lot of Blues fans just assume that he wasn't a fit here in St. Louis and that the team and Mike Hoffman wouldn't have a future together. But do you think there's a chance he comes back to St. Louis? I think there's a chance. It might just be a small chance. And you talk to people around the league and obviously Hoffman's camp, and and they're not shutting the door. They're absolutely not shutting the door. Now, when they say that, uh, there could be, you could read into it that his options could be limited. We're talking about the flat cap, uh, $81.5 million again next year. And he's going to want a multi-year deal. Is that two? Is that three? Uh, he's going to want the contract that he thought he was going to get last year before he settled on the one-year $4 million deal with the St. Louis Blues. So how many teams around the league are going to offer that? It might be only two or three, and so they certainly don't want to shut the door on the Blues. But what I wrote, Michelle, and, and I wanted to uh, stress in that article, is that if you're going to pay a guy – let's just say $5 million in a Kaufman, and you're going to give them three years, it just can't be with the thought that they, they both sides had last year where you know he ended up playing in the third line and ended up playing 12, 13 minutes 
and on the second power play. If this guy is going to come in on a multi-year deal at $5 million, he's got to play a bigger role than what he did last year, and is, is he capable of that? Uh, with the teams that are left uh, right now in postseason play, who do you like? Yeah, I, I really like, even though they lost last night, Vegas, to me, uh, they've got through that tough situation with Colorado overcoming that uh, big deficit. I think that hardens the team. I think that they, uh, after they don't have their best game and they had a, a slow start last night, uh, they really come back and, and play well. So I, I still like Vegas in that situation. Uh, but uh, you look at that other series on the other side with the Islanders and, and Tampa, uh, I didn't think Tampa was going to lose at home, but I knew they definitely weren't going to lose two games at home, so they even up that series. I like Tampa over there. I still think it's going to be a Vegas-Tampa uh, final, and I still like Vegas's chances. JR, I think at the time, a lot of people understood why Doug Armstrong didn't go all in on Alex Petrangelo. That no movement clause seemed like a deal breaker. But if Petro goes on to win a Stanley Cup with Vegas in his first season after he leaves the Blues, do you think a lot of people shift the way they look at that? Yeah, I, th- I think that people who uh, look at that situation, Michelle, it, it's interesting. You know, people still tell me that Alex Petrangelo wanted to play somewhere else. And I never got that vibe from him. I talked to him a lot leading up to free agency. He wanted to make it work here in St. Louis. I'm not saying that there isn't blame on both sides. There, there's definitely blame uh, on the Petrangelo side, too. This thing could have gotten done a lot sooner. Uh, but I think if he goes on and wins a Stanley Cup, I think it's just going to underscore what a lot of people believe is that you know his departure really changed this defense. And, and not just him, but Bolmeister and a couple other guys who were there on that Stanley Cup team that are no longer here. Uh, but Petrangelo was the guy. And you can tell watching the games, and two more goals last night, uh, three uh, here recently, he, he just controls the game like we were talking about last week. So to me, uh, it, with the Blues defense not playing as well as we've seen a couple years ago, you can point to a, a main reason why that is, and it's the departure of Alex Petrangelo. And, Jr., it's amazing to see a team like the Islanders who play with a lot of the same elements that the Blues had in 2019. Vegas has a lot of those same elements. What the Blues are chasing now is what they were in 2019. You mentioned the names, Steen, Bo Meester, Petrangelo, and... I think the big thing they need to do is rebuild their identity. You've written about that as well. But to me, that's the main thing that the Blues have to get back to is what they were in 2019, and they just don't have the elements to do that right now. It definitely is, Randy. And the thing is, it's the chicken or the egg. What happens is if you have an Alex Petrangelo who can control the game, get the puck up the ice, keep it out of your own zone, then you can roll your four lines and you can create that identity. But if you never have a chance uh, to, to, to play the puck in your zone and get it out quickly and and just get things on the on the move, then you're never able to do what makes the Blues successful. And I think that's why you see Vegas and you see the Islanders when they have those defensemen and those blue lines that can control it, get it out, get it up to the forwards, and that's when they come at you with the waves. So to me, the Blues will have a serious problem trying to find that identity unless they get that defensive uh, area cleaned up. Hey, before we let you go, you have written extensively about the Blues and the NHL's protected lists. When do they have to have a protected list in for Seattle, and then when does the draft take place? Yeah, so they'll submit it on July 17th, and I believe it'll be made public shortly thereafter. 
then Seattle will have its 48-hour window to negotiate with uh, unrestricted free agents, and it will be uh, the 21st that will be the draft. So it will be about that three- or four-day span there from July 17th to the 21st. And you bring up the unrestricted free agents. For example, if they would take Schwartz, Seattle would have that four-day window to negotiate with him and sign him to a long-term contract, correct? They could do that, yep. They would have, uh, I believe it's 48 hours total that they would have to negotiate with Schwartz, try to come up with something. Let's keep in mind that, you know, they don't have any cap right now. So, you know, could they offer him something with an AAV of uh, $6 million and entice Jaden Schwartz to sign there? They could. And if they came to an agreement on a contract, then obviously Seattle would inform uh, the league that that's who they're selecting off the Blues roster. But if they can't come to an agreement, uh, then Jaden Schwartz remains an unrestricted free agent. And then uh, if he doesn't get selected, if they don't take his rights, which they wouldn't if they didn't sign him, then he could still be a free agent and still be signed by the Blues, in fact. So the Blues will turn in that list one month from today. JR, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Anytime. Good to see you guys. See you later. That is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. One month from today, the list is turned in, and then it'll be revealed moments later, and four days after that, we'll have a draft. Can't wait to see those names on the list. Yeah. What's your show identity? You were asking for team identity. What's your show identity? It's funny you should ask that, Dan. We actually are constructing it in real time. We're trying to come up with the four pillars of the show. Oh, and we have three of them. We have three of the four. Mm-hmm. So all roads lead to hardware is pillar one. Pillar number two is deflect blame at all costs. So if the numbers go down, it's not on us. Mm-mm, absolutely not. Number three is keep the panic bus keys. Got to just always have the panic bus at the ready, just in case. Just in case. Like earlier this week, we had the panic bus keys ready. I think I might have been thinking about tuning that baby up just in case. What happened? With the Cardinals. Oh, okay. This is a lot of coach speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then we're looking for a fourth pillar. But that's uh, the essential identity of the show is that everything, even when you're in the midst of a streak of a losing 11 of 13, there's a reason and all roads lead to hardware. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if anything does go wrong, deflect blame. Never accept blame. Ever. And then if you need to panic, have the ability to panic at a moment's notice. That's right. Sounds good to that's, me. That's just the start of the identity of the okay. show. I think that would be for a professional sports team. That's the way to go, right? Deflect blame at all costs. Yeah, all roads lead to hardware. Yeah, deflect right. blame. What's and the hardware? Ready to panic. Championships, trophies. Okay. Yeah. Now, what about for you guys though? The hardware. What's the? What do you guys get? Rating success. Rating success. Do you get a trophy yeah. for it? It's in my bank account. Okay. <laughs> we do have. So follow the money. Uh, follow the money's a good one, yeah. Dan. Back in the day, uh, in the fast lane, we were in the Big League Impact sing-off with Adam Wainwright, and the fast lane did win a jar of pickles. Wow. But our management wouldn't allow us to put the jar of pickles in our trophy case up front. Really? Yeah. I don't know. We asked, and they said no. What did you sing in the sing-off? It was a Backstreet Boys song. Uh, Back, what? what, Backstreet's back, all right? There you go. That's it. Wow, impressive. Yeah, Brad Thompson was the star. As you might guess. I could see it. Well, yeah. I've heard him sing Divinals, and wow. Oh, he can sing. Talent. He can sing. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got the fight for you. Get your, uh, we, we've got a fighter, right? So just have your it's ears. not a returning uh, listener? No. Oh. <laughs> Why, no. you hear that, listeners? Very cocky. Well, what Very happened yesterday? Cocky. Yesterday, Dan. So as you, as you know, because you were in on Monday, mm-hmm. um, I guess a high-energy gentleman 
competed against Randy but lost. Yesterday, his friend came in and wanted to avenge his friend's loss on Monday. Randy beat him, too. So the friend group, 0 for 2 versus Megamind. Yeah. So that's why no. Okay. All right. All right. The fight coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Karen Smallman with Danny Mac on this Thursday. It's 8.36. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it's time for the fight. Randy's competition this morning is Matt. What's up, Matt? How are you? Doing good. Ready to get it going. Long time fan, first time caller. Um, But I'm here to support my friends, Alex and Mike. They came on the show Monday and Wednesday and failed to get the job done. So I'm here to avenge them. No, one band, one sound. I'm ready to go. You know, let me ask you a question here. Um, We have thousands of listeners. What's the, uh, what do you think the percentage is that, or the odds that we would get (laughs) you, Matt, and that your buddies with the other guys that lost? Are you sure you're just not making this up, or is this true? No, I know, uh, I know my buddy, my buddy Alex worked at Success Promotion, shout out, making all the bobbleheads for everyone out there. For reals. And then, uh, and then, uh, then our good friend, Mike. Big workout guy at MAC goes in every morning. So, Respect um, you know, so both those guys are, you know, my good friends, and we're here to to, to do one for the team and uh, take down Randy. And Matt, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a consultant, but I live in Chicago, so I'm a uh, St. Louis fan in Chicago. So it's hard. It was a tough weekend for us up here, um, but uh, but you know we'll, we'll get through. I went to a few of the games last weekend, but um, you know hopefully we can get him next time. All right? Atmosphere was awesome at Wrigley, though, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. It was great to see full stands. Um, yeah. I, I, I will do a call to action, though. Um, in, in the Chicago area, there was a St. Louis sports bar that closed down a few years ago, but there's a gap in the market. So any of the uh, Chicago area bar owners that are listening, we need a St. Louis bar. Uh, we got our pockets full in October when the Cardinals are in the playoffs. We're already spending a lot of money. So any Chicago bars out there want to adopt the St. Louis fans, we're ready for you. Wow. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, let's get let's get to it, I guess. All right. Good luck, Matt. Question number one. By the way, what happens if the friend group goes 0 for 3 versus Yeah, Randy? that would be tough. Oh, just sad. You have to re- I love to, we'll, we'll have to retire on that one, I think. Yeah, you have to rename the group, group chat. Take an L's. Agreed. All right, Matt. Question number one. Charlotte Hornets player LaMelo Ball, he won the 2020-2021 NBA Rookie of the Year Award. His oldest brother, Lonzo, plays for which team? The Lakers, the Pelicans, or the Hornets? He plays for the New Orleans Pelicans. Yadier Molina hit a walk-off single to win the game yesterday afternoon. Before this, who had the last walk-off hit for the Cardinals? Uh... Did you give me the answers, or I just go ahead and give oh, it to yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Paul Goldschmidt, Harrison Bader, Matt Carpenter. Paul Goldschmidt. Matt One Keith. day before. <laughs> Good thing you're paying attention. Matt, Keith Kachuk and his sons, Matthew and Brady, they're going to be joining us at 9 a.m. That's right. We're having Matthew, Brady, and Keith Kachuk all joining us at 9 a.m. Which of the three Kachuks was drafted highest in their respected draft year? Was it Keith, Matthew, or Brady? Uh, I believe that was Brady Kachuk. 
And our 9.30 a.m. guest, Brian Jordan, is famous for being a two-sport athlete. Which NFL team drafted him in the seventh round of the 1989 NFL draft? Was it the Bills, the Falcons, or the Rams? You know, he played for the Falcons, so I'm going to go with that. I'm not sure if that's who drafted him, but I'm going to go with the Falcons. All right. All right. Checking our score here. Yeah, yeah. Randy on his way in here. Oh, he had a little pep in his step. He just, I mean, he just came in and just flung the door open. The disrespect. I guess it's for the friend group. We are 0-2, so that makes sense. A lot of disrespect going on here. Um, Randy, try, uh, well, first of all, Matt is friends with uh, two guys that you defeated, apparently. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Matt, say hello to uh, Randy. Randy, say hello to Matt. Good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Randy, are you ready to take down the entire squad? I, is this it? Is this the Matt? Is this the entirety of the squad? Uh, you know, there may be more coming in if I, if I don't get the job done today. So no promises, but we're going to hope so. And this is the last of it. Randy, you're like Jon Snow in that famous scene where he's pulling out his sword and the army of the dead is coming, or whatever the the mm-hmm. the, the battle scene, and you're just taking them down one by one. Have you ever seen The Equalizer with Denzel Washington? I have. Clearly, no. I have not. I haven't no. seen Heat. Of course, I okay. haven't seen The Equalizer. Yeah, he, he just goes in by himself and takes down entire squads of people. Okay, well, you are The Equalizer. Very well, cocky this morning, let's Randall. Let's see if you can be The Equalizer, right, because maybe Matt will beat you. All right, Randy, LaMelo Ball of the Charlotte Hornets, he won the 2020-2021 NBA Rookie of the Year Award. Mm-hmm. His oldest brother, Lonzo, plays for which team? Uh, Lonzo was traded from the Lakers in the Anthony Davis trade to the New Orleans Pelicans. Yadier Molina hit a walk-off single to win the game yesterday afternoon. Before this, who had the last walk-off hit for the Cardinals? Oh, um, hmm. That's been a long time ago. I'll go Paul Goldschmidt, <laughs> like, what, 12 hours before or something? It's a tough hours one, Emily. <laughs> Keith Kachuk and his sons, Matthew and Brady, will be joining us at 9 a.m. Looking forward to that conversation. Which of the three Kachuks was drafted highest in their respected draft year? Okay, Walt was like 10th, I think. Matthew was 5th. And I think Brady was 4th. So I'm going to go with Brady. Our 9.30 a.m. guest, uh, do you know we have Brian Jordan coming up? I was aware of that. He was playing golf yesterday when I called him. Uh, he's famous for being a two-sport athlete. Did you know that? I was aware of that. Which NFL team drafted him in the seventh round of the 1989 NFL draft? So I was actually going, oh, drafted him. This is beautiful. I like this. It was the Buffalo Bills. Woo. All right. Was Randy able to take out the entire crew? Emily, let him know. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Matt, you might want to change the name of the group chat because Randy has mm. defeated all of you. Uh. All of you. But it was close, Matt. It was close. He beat you four to three. Randy getting the jack. I think you got a jack versus at least two of the three. I think so. I yeah. think so. Yikes. All right. Well, uh, Alonzo Ball does play for the New Orleans Pelicans. Yadier Molina hit the walk-off uh, yesterday, and it, this was a tough one. 
the most recent one before that was Paul Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. Emily. <laughs> You guys wanted more local questions. There's a local one for you. There you okay. go. All right. Out of all of the Kachuks, Brady Kachuk was drafted the highest in 2018. He was drafted fourth overall by the Senators. Yeah, if you're wondering, too, uh, so Randy thought, you know, uh, well, Keith was drafted 10th. No, he was drafted 19th. 19th. Okay, yeah, get Matthew it right. Yeah, wasn't 5th. It was, fifth, it was double six. Double digits. Six. Yeah, so you know. not 5th. 6th. <laughs> well, it should have been 5th. Brian Jordan was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, who played for the Atlanta Falcons. Matt, thanks for attempting to avenge your friends. I tried. The effort was there. It wasn't for lack of effort. No, the no, effort was there. Good effort. You put in the work, and it just came up a little short, but uh, we appreciate you playing. It's like that kid right. that cheered LeBron. Good job. Good effort. Good effort. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll take that. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Coming up next, uh, uh, the reason why I was going to say, I'm going to ask BJ, the reason that I, or not the reason, the time, the first time I met Chris Mortensen, was when he was in town, he was covering the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, came into town to do a feature on Brian Jordan as a rookie with the Cardinals. And that's when I met Mort Report for the first time. Oh, nice. I don't know the story, the background. And so so Brian was drafted by the Bills, obviously elected to play for the Cardinals. How did he wind up with Atlanta? He was released by the Bills. Okay, so did he go to camp with them and did all that kind of stuff and then just said... Because I remember he he told me what he had to do to get ready for baseball. It was amazing, like the crash course that George Kissel put him through mm-hmm. when he would go down to spring training and that kind of stuff. And then, um, you know, he had football. So it was it was unbelievable what he did to play baseball just to get caught up. So I didn't know that he got released by the Bills. And that was an open-minded Atlanta organization because they had Dion at the same right. time. So, so they that's had two how baseball players playing. That's great. Coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to Keith Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk and Brady Kachuk as uh, we get ready for Father's Day. Going to talk to the father and sons about some of their great stories. But right now, it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Before we get into some stories, guys, wanted to give a shout-out to the BLIS and the BFIB. We put out the call yesterday to vote for Yadier Molina against Baker Mayfield in the morning show's Market Madness Championship round. And Yadi has taken the lead 61% to 38% over Baker Mayfield. Need to expand that lead, though. So go to Twitter, and Michelle has retweeted this, I have retweeted this, or just go to the Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin page. Just if you type in K-E-Y-S, it'll you'll, you'll find Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. You'll find the poll, and Yachty will be the most popular athlete in his town in the entire country. Especially after yesterday. Go vote for Yachty. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get that, let's get him up to about 70%. Let's make this a blowout. I because love it. somebody on Twitter said that Baker Mayfield was going to win in a landslide. They did. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not not if we have anything to say about it. Nope. We're You're killing me, Smalls. Well, St. Louis, they ride for their own. So Absolutely, we I'm, do. I'm not surprised. We are at social all. media warriors. Yeah. We'll vote on a poll. <laughs> Don't you tempt us. <laughs> okay, guys, so some news coming out of the NBA. Aside from the games yesterday, the New Orleans Pelicans, they fired their head coach Stan Van Gundy after just one season. The Kel- the Pelicans missed the play-in tournament by only 
two games and clearly with Zion being there they're trying to win before he leaves and the search is on for the new head coach this will now be the third head coach in three seasons for Zion Williams Stan Van Gundy obviously this past season Alvin Gentry prior so my first question is has Dan Levitard officially hired Stan Van Gundy yet to be on his network because you know that's happening I would imagine that's coming yeah and I was interested. I, I'm really interested that Mike D'Antoni is getting so much play, 70 years old. Jacques Vaughn, who really did a good job with the Brooklyn Nets last year down the stretch as their interim, is also considered one of the people that could get that job. I'm not a big fan of the one and done, but I guess SVG had kind of checked out of coaching. He was just doing it because he's addicted to coaching. Well, I think you just go to Zion and say, who do you want? Yeah, it's good play. I mean, honestly, if you want to keep him and keep him happy, mm-hmm. Not necessarily do I like this, but sometimes that's what you have to do in sports is you engage your superstar and you say, who do you want? Give us a list of guys in the NBA. Yeah. If you're in New Orleans, too, it has to be tough being a fan knowing you have Zion and that the window to win is so small in order to keep him because you've seen what happens with Anthony Davis. You know that he's not long for New Orleans. So that has to be a bummer. That's my question. Are we... And I, I don't know the answer to this, and maybe I'm just being an idiot here. Are we? Is it certain that he's gone? He's already kind of said, or behind the scenes, like there's no way they're going to keep him. He did say when he went to Madison Square yeah. Garden, "I love playing here." He, he's it's his favorite planted place to the play. seeds. Yeah, <laughs> so he's a knickerbocker, probably. Okay, especially now that they're on the rise and yeah. playoff team again. Yeah, they're better for sure. They were better this year. They were fun to watch, but actually. The Rangers were on the rise too. Well, and then I, they fired their president and GM. I, I just go to him and I say, hey, man, who do you want? We'll, we'll bring him in here. We'll make you happy. And don't pull a pre-getting-in-trouble Deshaun Watson Texans moves where you ask for his input and then you ignore him completely. Actually no. listen to him this time. And it's the same ownership as the Saints. So you actually try to get that dinner together with Drew Brees and Zion Williamson so the Brees can sing the praises of spending a career in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You're killing me, Smalls. So we didn't really talk about this because it was a, a painful thing for us here on Character and Smallman. But Tua didn't look so great in in camp. It, it was raining. It was. It was. I know it's mini camp. I know it's early. But he threw five interceptions during mini camp session earlier this week. But Randy Brian Flores says, "Do not panic." He says, "I don't think Tua is going to go in a shell." I tell him after practice, continue being aggressive. The conversations are a lot of what we've already talked about here. Use this time in practice to push the ball downfield then we're going to make the adjustments and the corrections so not looking great in mini camp five interceptions no worries it's june i am kind of worried about it i don't know that that's the best approach to take i really think that if i were down in miami now i would be jumping off ledges why are people uh, obsessed with him with tua yeah what do you think it is? Probably because the team is ascending. They look like they have a really good chance to be great. And Tua might be the biggest question mark on the team. And with Aaron Rodgers being out there when Russell Wilson was unhappy, I think Miami fans look at a ready-made star quarterback that could help them win right now. I also think maybe because of how he arrived on the national stage in the national championship game, playing at Alabama, mm-hmm. you know, how he won that game. I don't know. I just think there's kind of a obsession with him more yeah. so than other rookie QBs. Everybody panic! What was that? I would. I don't even hear that properly. Everybody panic! He's saying everybody panic. Oh. That's what I'm thinking. 
They got to take that thing away from you. <laughs> All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. They got to take that away Don't from me. Don't get him going, Dad. He'll start no. laughing. We'll get derailed. And I have one more thing to present. Okay. You're killing me, Small. So WalletHub came out with their list of best states to live in. Which state do you guys think was named the best state in America to live? I'm going to say either Idaho, maybe Montana. A lot of people moving to Idaho. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Boise is hot. But I am, I'm going to go with Arizona. Both incorrect. Hmm. New Jersey officially ranked <laughs> yeah. as the best <laughs> as the best state in America to live. It ranked in the top 10 for safety, quality of life, education and health and came in as the number 1 state to live per uh, Wallet Hub. Yeah. Would you like to know where Missouri and Illinois ranked? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Illinois coming in at a at a pretty acceptable number 18. Mm-hmm. Missouri number 31 mm. on the list. Yeah. 31. Well, we, That's kind of where I expected we, we it. We can get to the halfway point if we have a good run here. If we get hot. Now, Idaho, Dan, ranking number four. Arizona, 37. Wow. I like the Arizona climate and sports and golf. It's hot in the summers, though, man. Big time hot. Yeah, Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Dan. The Kachucks next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> With Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. It's 9 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're having phone issues here, so we want to make sure this works. We believe we have Keith Kachuk and Brady Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk on the line. I'm going to start with Keith Walt. Are you there? Okay, can Walt hear us? We're pressing buttons. We're spinning dials. Okay, now we got it. Keith, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, Brady and uh, Matthew, are you on the line? Yep, we're here. Okay. Yep, we're here. All, right. All right. Love when a plan comes together. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, Big Walt, happy Father's Day. How you doing? Great, thanks. Uh, happy Father's Day to you guys as well. Yeah, it's all good right now. So nice. So, Walt, uh, were you a good dad or not? Let's let's <laughs> let's let's ask you, and then we're going to ask the boys. I'll start with you, Walt. Were you a good dad? Yeah, you know the question. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, the- no, everything's good. Everything's good. We're all good. Uh, me and Matthew are getting ready to play in uh, our uh, old Morrison member guest. So uh, Brady declined it. So Matthew took it. So it's all good. How about, uh, so are both boys on? We got both yeah. boys? Okay, boys, uh, I'll start with Matthew. Matthew, tell me about Walt. Was he uh, a good dad? Yeah, for the most part this year, we had uh, we had a lot of, uh, it was good. We had a lot of time together once last March happened, and then right when I think we all started getting sick of each other, Brady and I went off to Calgary and Ottawa, and we're gone for, uh, what was it, four or five months straight, or five, six months, so... Um, there was a lot at the beginning, and then not a good stretch of not being together. And now we're back and and having a great time here in the in the start of the summer. So it's uh, it has been pretty fun so far. So I'm expecting this weekend to be uh, be just like that, and probably a little bit more. 
That's awesome. So, guys, yesterday I was with my dad. We went to our first Cardinals game in a long time. And as I'm getting out of his car, I banged my elbow. And my dad goes, man, you are my kid. We are both so clumsy. And there's just some characteristics that you naturally absorb from your parents. So I want to ask the boys. And, Brady, why don't we start with you? What's a quality that you have that you look at yourself and you're like, man, I am just like my dad? Um, that's a good one. I mean, I know Matthew's definitely got the wittiness that, that my dad's got. And, uh, I mean, I try to be quick with the jokes, but I think I just got that from my mom. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I'd say her looks, but we're not that good looking. So. <laughs> and Matthew, what about you? Um, I would say that, uh, I don't know. He's pretty witty. Um, I think, uh, my sister and I get that from him. Um, Brady, Brady doesn't, he's too slow when it comes to the jokes and stuff. And that's definitely a a trait for my mom. Um, but I'd say just overall having a great time. Um, I think our family, the one thing that my dad's always instilled in us is be, be very generous people. And I think my brother and I both have that. And, um, I don't know. I just think that, uh, dad's been i don't know one of those people that everybody knows and everybody gravitates towards and i think brady and i are very similar to that as well and keith as you as you look at your boys how are they different than you well they're a lot smarter first of all they're way ahead of the curve um you know they do they do a lot of good things it's it's, uh it's great having them around uh there's nothing better than spending time with your kids they're all grown up now and you know, the fact that I get an opportunity to play golf with them when they're home and, and, and you know, Matthew doesn't look too far from us. Brady still lives with me. He's not ready for the move yet. So, uh, and then my daughter is an athlete too. So it's great having that, you know, kind of, you know, we're all similar in that way. We all played sports and we all enjoy watching each other. We all root for each other. I want to ask this of all three of you, but in, in different ways. I want to start with you, Keith, because we remember when the boys were really little, when you got traded here, and Dan and I both have really fond memories of the boys being in the dressing room over at Enterprise Center. But when they got playing hockey and they got on the ice, was there a point with both Matthew and Brady where you thought, boy, he could be an NHL player? You know what? First of all, let's go back to the locker room. Boy, did they destroy that thing. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Yeah, they, they messed up that room pretty good. Those uh, bubblegum wrappers were all over the place. The trainers weren't too happy with that. But uh, getting back to the hockey part, you really never thought of that when, when they were young, just getting them out there and wanting to be active and, and letting them enjoy the game. And as they got older, once they got to that stage where I think they got uh, – invited to that U.S. National Development Program, I think that's when you started thinking, okay, you know what, you know, they might have a chance, but until they stepped on the ice, you, you don't even think about that, really, to be honest with you. And, and Brady, uh, when did you, because you're around the NHL, you know what an NHL player looks like. You know what an NHL player does. So when did you, in your youth, think, maybe I could do this? Yeah, I mean, I think uh... – uh, my dad kind of said it was kind of when we started going to the U.S. program and um, and then things started picking up with, um, you know, different levels where you're playing, you know, international, like the same same age group. Um, I think that's when I finally, like, learned and realized that I actually have a chance. And um, the guys I've looked up to, like guys and Matthew is playing in the NHL, you know, when I was at the program, so... Um, you know, that's two years away and that definitely became a goal of mine. And, um, yeah, it definitely became motivation is uh, watching Matthew when I was at the program. And how about you, Matthew? 
Well, I would say that um, probably when I went to probably when I went to the U.S. team or when I went to London, probably I'd say London was more. And uh, I don't know. I think I just playing with Dale Hunter and then playing with those guys that were already drafted there and were high picks. I felt like that I could um, I could be one of those guys. So I'd say probably London. I don't mean to uh, embarrass Wald here, but uh, when I was doing the Blues, and you you boys touched upon this, and I mean this in in the best of ways, uh, your dad is, first of all, a great hockey player and should be in the Hall of Fame, and that's neither here nor there. But I saw his generosity on full display in so many different ways. And I mean with his time, financially, whatever the case may be, uh, and just being a good guy. And I mean that, Walt, you're, you're, you're the absolute best in, in terms of your generosity and in so many different levels. So when you boys are seeing this as young kids, when, when did it maybe start to take an, and make an impression on you when you realize, man, Dad's... Dad's kind of special. He's not only a our dad; he's a pro athlete, but also he's a good guy too. Yeah, I mean, I I think I mean we were so young when he was still playing, so I mean I don't think you know, some of those things you notice if it was now. Like, I mean, just you could tell now that even you know ten, eleven years after his career, there's he still is in contact with a lot of the Blues, you know, players, staff, and. Um, I think the most important thing about him was that he was well respected amongst his staff, and, and um, you know he made the staff who are the most important people of the team that they made them feel like they're a part of it, and uh, um, that's how kind of the winning culture is created. So I think with him, it's just like Nappy said earlier, just how much how much people gravitate towards him, and um, even meeting new people, they always find a way to have a good memory of him. Keith, I remember when Matthew and Brady squared off against each other this season. People were wondering if, if maybe they would fight each other because when you think Kachucks, you think about toughness, and that was squashed immediately. But when they were growing up, did you have to referee any scraps between the two of them? Well, it's like any typical brothers. Yeah, it gets nasty out there. One of them, either Brady was always chasing Matthew in or Matthew was already chasing Brady in. So it happened a lot. Typical brothers, when you're 20 months apart, stuff's going to happen, but now it's uh, a lot of love out there, um, you know, but they, like any other family, kids kids scrap a little bit, and that's okay, and that's letting boys be boys, you know? So what happened, uh, hey, Walt, what happened during COVID? Did you have more scraps uh, during the last year when you guys were all, you know, in your house? We we kind of got, we had fun at the beginning, then we kind of got sick of each other, but uh, we we tried to play a lot of pickleball in my front yard, so that was good, it was very competitive, and um it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but the boys would cheat. They they, they don't play by the rules, and they're always in the kitchen. I get it. You now, so so you know, it would always have to be me and Chantel versus one of them, or especially Taryn. We couldn't play. You know, like me and Taryn, me and Chantel just couldn't play by ourselves. It'd be too hard. Getting too old. Pickleball at the Kachuk. Matthew, did the, did you cheat or did your dad cheat? Well, he would always get mad because Brady and I would go like towards the net. And our arms are so long that, I mean, you couldn't really get a pass. So then they were changing these rules where you couldn't follow through and go close. And I don't know. It seemed like there was just a lot of house rules that were being thrown in uh, at all times just to, to benefit them. But he's, uh, I put dad as pickleball in pickleball for, for the household. He's got to be 
I don't know. At least, I mean, he's four. He's four or five. I mean, I, I would say, no offense to my mom, she, she, she could hit the ball well, but the athletic uh, gene just isn't, isn't there for her. Um, and then on any given day, it's me, Brady, or Taryn uh, for the first three. Hey, Brady, I want to go back to the, the scraps that you've had with Matthew. Because we see him on the ice, and he, he's chippy. Is, is he chippy when you get into a scrap with your brother? Um, not really. To be honest, dude, there's a lot of jokes being thrown out there if there's like a little scrum. So, um, I mean, I don't think we'll ever have a chance where it gets scrappy or physical between the bo- both of us on the ice. But, um, I mean, we're probably going back to a two game schedule next year. So it's probably going to be more catching up during the game. But, uh, this year played each other nine times. You're, uh, yeah. uh, we we're seeing a lot of each other. So it was a blast. But, I don't. I don't think we'll get a scrap yet anytime soon. Keith, what's it like for you to watch your boys play? Are you sending them notes during the game, or do you talk to them after the game and give them your observations? It has to be pretty cool for you to watch both of them now in the NHL. It is. I know it's a hard game, and you try to give them as much advice as possible. Sometimes they don't like that, and I get it. It's a hard game to play eighty-two games, and. There's some things I see that might be able to help them after the game. Usually when Matthew plays, it's too late after a game to talk. And Brady, you know, it depends. If they just don't have it or they lost, it's probably not the best time to talk to them. But, you know, it's hard. I enjoy watching them. Chantel and I enjoy watching it. It's a lot of fun, especially this year. Playing each other nine times. And, and, you know, other than that, on a regular schedule, there's somebody usually on every night with that and the Blues. You know, we watch a lot of hockey and we enjoy it. This is the time of our lives. We're having a blast. It's nothing better than watching your kids play sports, no matter if it's the NHL or field hockey or whatever it is. I want to ask you kids, uh, and I'll start with you, Brady. When you have a kid, what was the aspect of your father that you want to pass along to your kids? Well, that's a, that's a question I've thought of. Um, I think, you know, we've kind of touched on it. It's just uh, uh, a great dad. Our dad's probably, I mean, he's the best that's happened to us. He's always been there for us. Valuable lessons. And uh, that's a trick. I don't know. Where are, you, where, where are you in the house right now? You're bridging up, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm in the living room. But if I could be anything like my dad, then that's uh, that's a win for me. All right. How about you, Matthew? First of all, first of all, guys, even if it's, uh, it's nice to hear that, but you know who the boss is, who, who keeps everything steady. We do a lot of family stuff together. And they, that's what they need to do with their kids. Mm. But this yeah, is Father's I, I, Day, Walt, so just uh, take the take a little credit here, will you? <laughs> I think, yeah. You got it, buddy. Go ahead, Matthew. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I don't know. I would say that the big thing is uh, how you know generous he is and the family is. So, like him and my mom. So I'd say that that's one thing that uh, um, you know we're uh, you know trying to emulate right now and got to continue for the rest of our lives. That's something that, that sticks out to me. All right, you're, Matthew, you're the twenty three. By, 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 by the way, I was saying that because Chantel's right next to me. I'm driving her to turn to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Good play. Good play, Walt. Uh, who wins when you guys are on the course today? When Matthew Kachuk and Keith Kachuk are on the course, uh, Matthew, who who has the better score today? Well, the, actually, the tournament starts tomorrow morning, okay. but we're playing together. So um, hopefully we both can 
Um, you know, it's like it's like when uh, oh, it's almost like when two rivals you put them together. Like it, it could either really work or it could really, really, really go the other way. So, um, I don't know. I'd say Matthew's Matthew's we haven't really played Matthew's that much. Better. We haven't, yeah, we haven't really played that much this summer together, honestly. But uh, um, dad, dad finds a way. He's a grinder out there, so hopefully he can pull some shots together on uh, on this weekend. Well, I would say this too. With this being Father's Day, you know, Matthew and Brady and and you guys are big time athletes, and of course you're making all that money. Uh, I think you know, really th- millions of dollars. So you need to make sure and get uh, Walt something really nice this Sunday. Well, what do you Absolutely. want for Father's Day? You know, let's put him on the hey, spot. The boys, the boys are taking me to Vegas for that McGregor Poirier fight in uh, July, so they're taking me to that, and we're staying in Vegas for a couple nights. So that's a heck of a, heck of a Father's Day present. Watch out, Vegas! <laughs> no kidding. Hey, uh, Keith, we appreciate you setting this up, and we know Chantel and and your daughter Taryn are in the car with you. Uh, We're so proud to have your family as uh, members of the St. Louis community, and we're thrilled that you were able to join us today. Uh, Walt, have a happy Father's Day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and happy Father's Day to you guys. We'll see you guys soon. Yep, and uh, Keith and uh, and uh, Matthew and Brady, thanks so much, and uh, good to have you back in town for the summer. Thank you. For having us. You got it. See you later. That is Keith Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, and Matthew Kachuk with us on 101 ESPN. It's fun. Ready for Father's Day. Does any family have more fun than the Kachuks? There's no way. Can you imagine during the pandemic, every day you wake up and they're in an intense pickleball game? I bet they had a blast. <laughs> I'm telling you, it should be a, uh, you got keeping up with the Kardashians. We need the uh, something with the Kachuks. I'd watch it. I would too. I mean. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? It'd be awesome. Yeah, and he for, is a beauty, man. He is one of my favorite people, and he not only was he a great player, but I'm telling you, and I, I don't want to say some of the things that he did uh, publicly, I, but I'll just say, as I am saying it. What but, he does for people. Yes, I, I saw it firsthand, and it was remarkable, some of the things that he did that no one knows about. And I mean financially, I mean with his time, um, he's just a great guy, man. Great guy. And the fact that Brady and Matthew come back here Mm -hmm. and are members of the community, and Tara might be the best athlete of all of them, (laughs) Yeah, by the way. It's fantastic to have them as members of St. Louis. So thanks to Keith and and Matthew and Brady and Chantal and Taryn in the car, and uh, thanks for tuning into that. It was a lot of fun. Coming up, how deep does this Major League Baseball cheating situation go? Ace of Spader, Ryan Spader, tweeted about it, and we're going to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Well, we've had so much discussion about pine tar and spider tack and a mixture of rosin and sunscreen. Lately, we've had my mind, way too much discussion about cheating. But Ryan Spader, a baseball insider, ace of Spader on Twitter, tweeted the other night, quote, I've had enough. I think I'm coming out with everything tomorrow. Going to sleep on it. Slept on it. And then yesterday morning started tweeting. Everything that I'm about to say was verified by more than one player. I do not mean to burn anyone, and I love baseball. I've just had enough of this BS. 
And he starts off with these two tweets. The Royals were the first team with a full analytics and video department close by their dugout doing so in 2015, their World Series championship year. How they used it, I do not know. At 11.06, the Yankees had cameras in left, center, and right, all pointing at the pitcher's glove rather than the catcher to pick up his grip. Aaron Judge, 2017-18 home, 312-447-25 slash Aaron Judge, same year's road, 256-404-531. If the Royals had analytics and video right by their dugout, it would seem to me that especially in a World Series or LCS environment, that somebody should have noticed such a thing, just like they did with Houston in 2017. Yeah, and you know maybe what Ryan Spader is saying is correct, but I think when you go back to the Astros cheating scandal, the, the banging of the trash cans and all of that, the reason it was so explosive is because there was overwhelming video evidence, and anybody could really throw out something that they've heard that a team has done, and even if you've had it verified by multiple people, until there's actual evidence of something, Thing, it's really hard to put any weight to it. So he's saying that they're getting the video with the cameras are getting the grips. Which, But how can you get that to the hitter quickly enough? The hitter's at the plate. So if you're getting a shot of the pitcher's grip, it's going to a TV screen. He doesn't have a TV screen or an iPad at home plate. So what benefit does Aaron Judge get out of that if there's cameras in left, center, and right that are pointed to the pitcher's glove? Yeah, you'd need a bug in your ear or something, Well, you need right? something to indicate what you're doing. So that was the trash can banging or whatever they were doing. Um, the other part of it, though, is that maybe after... So if you have that kind of focus and different angles on the pitcher and you you see him and let's say he's gone through a couple of hitters and he's already shown his curveball his fastball his changeup or whatever then at that point in time you maybe pick up something you're next at bat or you know now you're four let's say your fifth hitters you know from five on you pick something up so when you're when you're watching him you're staring at the pitcher and he just has a little bit of a movement then you know Okay, he just he the index finger moved a little bit. Now he's, you know, that's that's going to be a changeup. That's going to be because guys do that. That's how you pick up. That's how you but pick up me, whether he's going to do it. That's part of the gamesmanship. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. that because that's the sort of thing that Jim Edmonds picked up from the dugout all the time that the Cardinals could utilize. Mm-hmm. I thought this one was interesting, and I don't know how old Ryan Spader is. I don't know if he's old enough to remember Gaylord Perry. But he says, this one hurts to say, my favorite player ever, Chase Utley, was the biggest cheater of all time. But there's no context to that. No. Just says he was the biggest cheater of all time. Yeah, that's why some of this stuff I I kind of just shrug my shoulders at. Because if you're going to tweet that, that multiple people have told you he's the biggest cheater of all time, you need to provide examples. Yeah, something. I I agree with that. And Sammy Sosa swung a bat where... Super Bowls came out of it. it he it's broke corked. his bat. Yeah, and he, he was using a corked bat. Multiple players have been suspended for using corked bat. Uh, so, yes, Chase Utley may have been, but we've got clear evidence of other guys that have been suspended or guys like Perry who just flaunts his history of cheating, even as a Hall of Famer. And then you have Chase Utley who, yeah, he ran over a guy at second base. but And he may have used camera and he may have used advanced technology to help himself but like you said michelle we just don't have any evidence of it yeah um i wouldn't say he's the biggest cheater of all time that's quite a statement because 
you got guys putting Vaseline on the ball yeah. and emery boards and all that kind of stuff to scuff it. So that that to me would be egregious in a, a major way. Going back to the camera stuff, guys are if they're paying attention in the game, they can pick up things without a camera too. Like what you're yeah. saying with Edmonds, I mean Jimmy was is fantastic at that. Now a lot of guys go back and look at video anyway of previous starts and will pick up things. And say, oh, he's he's tipping pitches. Mm-hmm. This is what he's doing. Like to me, when you watch John Gant, I don't know how he gets the grip on a Vulcan changeup, which is to put it between. Basically, you got two fingers on one side, two fingers on the other, middle and finger and your ring finger, yeah, and and trying to get the ball as deep into your that part of your fingers in there without if you just grab a ball and try to do that yourself without tipping it. I don't know how he does it because it's hard to get it in there and mm-hmm. shove it in there to get a changeup. I, I don't know how he does it. You would think he might be tipping those pitches to do that. I don't know, but he does. So it's compelling things from Ryan Spader, Ace of Spader, and you can check it out on Twitter. And it'll it'll make you watch games in a different way, at least. Cardinals taking on the Braves this weekend, former Cardinal and former Brave. And our friend Brian Jordan joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Smallman and Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. The Cardinals in Atlanta to open a four-game series tonight. Brian Jordan does pre- and post-game for Bally Sports South, the former Cardinal. You can follow him on Twitter at 2SportMan. BJ is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Mr. Jordan, thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. How are you doing? I am doing great. Good morning, by the way. <laughs> Good morning to you. Hey, I called you on the golf course yesterday, and I, ho- I hope I didn't interfere with your greatest round ever. How'd you do on your last four? You know what? It might have been my greatest round ever, man. I, I, I shot an 81 yesterday, so I felt really, really good after that day. So, you know, thanks for calling me. You pumped up my game on the last four holes. So three sport, man. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go that far. No way. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, like Ozzy never played when played golf when he was playing baseball. Did you play golf when you were playing baseball? Never, never, never. I did not want to affect my baseball swing uh, with the golf swing. So I didn't learn to play until after my baseball career. So getting an 81, that's that's impressive. Good for you. It Thank is. you. Thank you. Well, Brian, I want to ask you about the Braves and reading up about them ahead of this series. It seems like the bullpen is a clear area of need for the club. How do you think that the team or the front office is going to approach that? Well, you know, they got a lot of holes. It's not just the bullpen. Uh, Yes, that's the glaring problem right now when you lose six out of seven and and lose it late late in the game. Uh, But, you know, they got a lot of holes. You know, you lose Ozuna uh, to injury and legal problems. Uh, he was a massive loss, I think, for the Braves, you know, because he had great protection behind Freddie Freeman, who's struggled, who's struggling so far this season. He's finally starting to come out of it. But as a team, you know, we just haven't been consistent at the end of the day. And uh, injury bug has hit the Braves hard uh, in the starting rotation. And Noah, the young kid who got off to a great start pitching, uh, punches the wall and, and breaks his hand. 
I mean, that's just the way it's been going for the Braves this year. Hey, BJ, I, I wanted to ask you about um, someone I think that uh, we all certainly miss in the game of baseball, and his presence is missed in Atlanta, and that's Hank Aaron. Um, how close were you to Hank, and, and what, what did he mean to you? Wow, he meant so much. Uh, a huge loss. Uh, my greatest day as a broadcaster was when I had a chance to interview him personally. Uh, uh, he, I mean, he's a trailblazer. He he gave me the opportunity to play this great game uh, with all he had to endure. And he was a great ambassador to the game, a uh, great ambassador to community. Uh, he's a guy that, that you want to, you know, want to live like. Uh, he was a great example uh, especially for African-American baseball players. And uh, it was a sad day to lose him uh, earlier this year. Do you feel, BJ, like younger African-American baseball players appreciate that? I, I know that you do because we know you and the players of your generation, people like Ray Langford, Bernard Gilkey, they do. But do you think that the younger African-American players have an idea of what Hank Aaron and Jackie Robinson endured? You know, it, it's hard to say. I mean, it's a different generation. Uh, the game has changed so much. Uh, you know, you try to instill history uh, to these young kids, but uh, a lot of them, you know, really don't know. And they don't know, and they don't take the time to learn uh, the game and who came before you. And, uh, you know, I think they're missing a lot. <laughs> but uh, it, it's good to know your history and uh you know, you can learn so much from it. Evidently, one thing that has been passed down and has been paid attention to is the ability to doctor a baseball. As a hitter, <laughs> as you've watched all of <laughs> nice this. Transition. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Great transition. Great transition. <laughs> as you've watched this unfold, what kind of suspicions did you have about what was going on? Well, you know, when you look at the spin rate of the ball, I mean, you're saying, uh, wow, you know, something's going on. You look at the offense around the league, you know, look at some of these averages, you're saying, wow, what is going on? And and now you figured it out. I mean, when you start comparing it to the stairway era, I mean, wow, you know, open your eyes wide open. I think it's been going on for a long time. But, you know, everybody's trying to get that edge. And for pitchers, it's, it's getting that grip on the ball that's so important and you know, before it was just a couple little simple things with the rousing and maybe some sunscreen, and now it became even more with sticky, uh, sticky tack. I still don't know exactly what it's like glue. It looks like, but you know, I don't know how. It, I was never a pitcher, but I mean, obviously the spin rate has been incredible this season. And now all of a sudden, you know, you look at the past couple of days, just the Boston and the Braves series. He was scoring eighteen runs, and you know. 36 runs in two days. And I think the spin rate has dropped tremendously among the pitchers. And, you know, to a game like yesterday, 14 pitchers were used. You're sitting there like, wow, what is going on? You know, what, what happened to the command of the baseball? Uh, so it's definitely going to affect the game. Uh, I think offensively, uh, we may see averages go back up. Uh, but, you know, it's gonna it's gonna cause long longer games. You know, after last night it was a four hour and what twenty minute game last wow. night. Yeah, I mean a lot of walks and you know, you can see pitchers are not commanding the ball like they used to. Brian, I know that a lot of players are are probably deterred from using this, but I'm just curious how major league baseball is really going to effectively police it. I think that there might be some gray area there. 
it is a lot of gray area there. And, uh, you know, I feel for the umpires. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on those guys. And when you make that call as an umpire, you better be right. Uh, you know, you're talking about suspension of, of starting pitchers, you know, probably some of your top pitchers. So it's going to be interesting how how it goes and how long it goes on for. Uh, I remember when, you know, they were expecting umpires to tell players to stay in the box. Well, that never happened, basically. So it's going to be on the umpires to make that decision, and uh, it's going to be interesting as of Monday, the 21st. I can't wait to see the results. And that's the thing is that if anybody would understand um, about controlling a baseball, it would be certainly guys of your era and certainly an Atlanta Braves fan. If you grew up watching Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz, you know, those guys aren't throwing 100, but they could put it anywhere they wanted and they could move it. So, you know, that's the thing is, are we going to have to have a drop in velocity? So sacrifice velocity, BJ, for location. And I think most people would say, that's fine. Let's do it. And I'm all for it. I, I don't know where you're at on that, but let's do it. Well, you know what? I, I think this game is in cycle. Uh, right now we're looking at the analytical cycle where spin rate is so important, uh, exit velocity is so important. But, you know, in my day, you know, that didn't matter. It's about ABC baseball, getting them in, getting them over, and scoring runs. Uh, the game has gone away from that, and I would not be surprised if, you know, after another year or two, the game starts curving back to to that, you know, hitting your spots as a pitcher, you know, taking some of that velocity off and gaining more control on your pitches. Uh, we're starting to see it uh, with this whole sticky tack thing. I think it's going to affect the game in a big way. And uh, we may go back to the Greg Maddoxes. They may draft a Greg Maddox now, you know, instead of the guy that's throwing 96, 97 with no command. So, you know, again, this game is evolving. Uh, and hopefully it evolved back to, to the way it was played when you just get dirty and, you know, win ball games. Brian Jordan, a couple more things. With the loss of not only Ozuna, who led the league in homers last year, but also Soroka, in addition to the other guys, we, we don't even talk about Marcakis retiring and uh, the, the injury to right. There, there have been so many issues with the Braves, but specifically your, your number one pitcher and your number one home run guy. Are they going to be able to turn it around? Wow. I mean, that's a huge question. You know, watching them the last six out of seven games, uh, I mean, something has to happen. I think Alex Anthopoulos is going to have to take a hard look and, and make a huge change, uh, uh, eye-opening change. Uh, and hopefully the Braves can find a way offensively to be consistent and pitchers, you know, execute. You know, we're losing on 0-2 pitches every night. You know, that should not happen. Uh, a pitcher's coming out of the bullpen. You get ahead. You know, you got to waste a couple of pitches, but you're throwing it right down the middle and guys hitting grand slams and getting walk-off hits. Uh, you're not expected to, to win those games if the pitchers can't adjust. And finally, for people that aren't aware of it, Brian Jordan is a renaissance man. In addition to being a great athlete, great broadcaster, you do so many things. You coach, you write children's books. What's your latest project? What has you going right now? Well, my latest project is, is my first chapter book I, I finished, which is my fourth book. Uh, I'm working on doing an animated uh, movie and hopefully series. So 
that keeps me going. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy putting smiles on kids' face uh, and my foundation giving scholarships to high school seniors and, and watching them take off after college. Uh, it's been a blessing. And, you know, that that's my mission the rest of my life, you know, putting smiles on kids' face and families. You're oh. you're phenomenal. You're you're great. Have, have a happy Father's Day. We know how uh, your family is uh, so f- fond of you, and you're such a great dad. Have a great Father's Day. Have a great weekend, and we appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it, and, and same to you. Happy Father's Day. All right. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thanks, BJ. Take care. Bye bye. Brian Jordan with us on 101 ESPN. One of our all time favorites. He was. It, we talk about players. We talked about earlier in the show, Dan, about Johan Oviedo growing. And Brian Jordan came to St. Louis as a raw Very baseball raw. player because yeah. he hadn't played a lot of baseball. We had a chance to see him develop into a great baseball player right here in St. Louis. And a, and a person, too. Great he, guy. Yeah. Uh, I get to see him down at Fantasy Camp when Fantasy Camp is going on. He's there every single year. And he is... He's one of the life uh, of the party. You know, he's one of those guys that uh, when he walks into the room, too, it's kind of cliche when you say it. It's one of those people that you gravitate to, mm-hmm. and he's loud and boisterous and fun and funny, and uh, he's just awesome. He's just great to be around. And he was one of those guys, and, and you've been around clubhouses now longer than I ever was around clubhouses, but he was one of those guys, and this is what you miss by not traveling with the team, where you could walk into the clubhouse and Brian Jordan to tell you what's going on. Absolutely. And, yeah, we're not around there now. I, I miss those days because that's when you get the feel of the team. You get the yeah. pulse of the team. You you get an understanding of, of what – you know, you were you were asking a question earlier with Jr. What's the makeup of the team or the, the identity, identity of the team? And you you do get a feel for that. And then when guys like Brian Jordan have been around and they're the veterans, then they they dictate it and mm-hmm. they they teach the young guys how to play the game properly and how to act as a big leaguer. And there is something to that, a lot, both on and off the field. Dan, Michelle, Randy, we're going to head down the stretch here and get ready for the Danny Mac Show with BK coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Tomorrow from noon to 2, I'm going to be at the Rally House in Chesterfield. Father's Day is Sunday, and Rally House has everything you need for the perfect Father's Day gift. So the first 100 people that stop by and tell me the password, which is MVP, tomorrow between noon and 2, will get a $10 Rally House gift card free. That's tomorrow from noon to 2 with me at Rally House in Chesterfield. And then tomorrow night, I'm heading over to Grant's Farm for Friday night at the farm with my friends from Schnooks and Folds of Honor. It starts at 6 o'clock, and you can get VIP tickets now at 101ESPN.com. The VIP ticket includes a Jumbotron broadcast of the Cardinal game, food stations from local restaurants, Signature schnooks, items, and specialty drinks. And there will also be Cardinal alumni appearances, autograph signings, and more. Those VIP tickets are 25 bucks per person, and they're available at 101ESPN.com. I have not had a chance to ask Michelle. Yes, Dan. I have breaking news. Oh, let's go with it. Um, breaking news. A newly created bowl game announced. Yes. Um, maybe it's not breaking news. Maybe it's just breaking to me. But it's going to be henceforth known as the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. I was not aware of this. I wonder if this For is... Real? Seriously. You yes. Think? 
I wonder if this is a gag for their show. It's a. It says late night talk show host will be title sponsor of the new bowl game at SoFi Stadium. Wow! Oh, wow! It's the new LA Bowl, and it's it says taking it up a notch or ten. Amazing. The Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. That's pretty cool. I wonder how much that cost him. Wow. Yeah, really. Who do you guys have in the U.S. Open this week at Torrey Pines? I'm going with the betting favorite, John Rahm, who I went with in the PGA, and things didn't go well. Last time he golfed, though, he was playing well until he was found out to have COVID. I would go with John Rahm. I just don't know how that affects him coming back. I'm not talking about – I just mean like – Mentally? Yeah, the mm-hmm. mental side of yeah. it. Just being shut down when you had that lead. and mm-hmm. eh. Which is part of the reason I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson. Good call. DJ's always good call. And nobody's one picking odds. Phil. No one's picking Phil. He's, let's see, his odds. I'm still scrolling. 50 to 1. 50 to 1, huh? 50 to 1. I would make the bet. I mean, he grew up there. That's his backyard. And he, it's almost like analytics. His use of his mind to play is as effective as Bryson DeChambeau building up his body by 40 pounds. You wouldn't have said that, by the way, about Mickelson 15 years ago, 20 years ago. No chance. No. You know, he, when, guy, when he had leads on the back nine of majors and he's pulling out driver when he didn't need to. And you, you mm-hmm. watch how he managed the course at the PGA and visualization and just deliberate with everything. It was awesome. Uh, I'll go Kepka. I'm going to go Brooks. Brooks. Go Brooks. I'd, love to, I'd love to see at some point Kepka and DeChambeau on Saturday and Sunday paired together. How much do you guys think that because of the millions of dollars that are being put into the allotment for attention on social media and things of that nature, if you become uh, the top guy to get that, that this is a fabric, not fabricated, but they're taking it up a notch or two on purpose. I thought about that. I don't think there's any doubt that those two want to get into the top eight and social media is a big part of that. Right. But I don't think you can manufacture that response that we saw in the video. No, but you can't get it out there. Because he's still talking to the Golf Channel. You would think that if he really hated the idea of that being out there, that he wouldn't be talking to the Golf Channel anymore, that that got leaked. But he is. He's still doing interviews with the Golf Channel. Or maybe he dislikes him that much that he's fine that it's out there. Yeah. But you need the Golf Channel to interview you so that when you're wearing your Nike brand that you're making sure that you're, you know, making sure that your end of the bargain is being done for Nike. Are you guys team Brooks or team Bryson? Brooks all the way. I'm Brooks, I think. We're unanimous. Emily, how about you? Team Brooks or team Bryson? Brooks. So we're all four of us are Why team though? Brooks. Mm, I I like Bryson for golf because he's kind of a villain and he's changing disrupting golf in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I think if I was going to go hang out with one of the two of them, which is what I'm basing my vote on, I'm going with Brooks. For Kepka for me it was just the eye roll. The, his reaction made me like him. It was a visceral I can't stand you reaction. Yeah. I went and saw an old video of of his when he was a young kid, probably in his maybe let's say sophomore junior year of high school and and somebody was interviewing him and he wasn't one of the best players growing up and he talked about how he just was going to work and work and work and he said his dream was to be a PGA guy and he said I'm going to I'm doing it I'm going to I'm going to make it and I I've I've seen it and that's why I pull for him. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It'll be great tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to talk to Jay Delsing at 7:30. We're also going to spend more time talking about Father's Day. 
some special guests for you. Who do you have? Uh, have we texted our guy yet? Not yet. I'll do it after the show. We're going to have a, a special guest Hopefully. that we're going to love. If he's available. I, he'll he'll always be available for us. It just depends on his work schedule. Yeah, I don't know what they're... Oh, that's true. He's he got, could be working. He's got a, a job like us now. I know. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see if we get Chris Long. We're trying to get oh. Chris Long. Oh, that'd be great. Who obviously has a, a great dad to talk about and is now a dad himself. Awesome. Yeah. But so. now he's a podcaster, so I don't know when his taping schedule yeah. is. Gotcha. Great job by Emily. Thank you very much. Thank you. And Michelle, this was fun. It was. I'll see you tomorrow. Danny, who do we got coming up? Uh, Chip Carey, the voice Chip of the Braves. Carey. Looking forward to that. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs... Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.